Today's special episode of Thursday Rolling here on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Hiring can be a challenge, as Codable founder Gretchen Hebner discovered. She needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She went to ZipRecruiter.com, posted her job, found the right person in less than two weeks with results like that. It's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. We're also brought to you by Square, which is more than a credit card reader. It's a whole system of tools built to help grow your business from online stores to access to business loans. Go to Square.com slash go slash BS to see how you can take your business from Square One to whatever's next. Loans subject to credit approval and issued by Celtic Bank. Member FDIC. We're also brought to you the ringer.com and the ringer podcast network where next week we are premiering a brand new podcast called the hottest take. It is exclusive to Spotify. It is going to be multiple times per week, probably four. And each week it's, it's a seven to eight minute episode. That's it. Where we just have a take and we sell the shit out of it and it'll all make more sense when you actually hear it. But this is an idea we've We've had seven different versions of this idea, and we find it landed on this, but I'm really happy with it. It's actually probably the most fun podcast for me to do, especially because it's short. You just got to go all in the whole time. Uh, but anyway, follow follow The Hottest Take on Spotify because that is launching on Monday, and you are I promise you, you will enjoy that one. Coming up, Mallory Rubin is going to do Mallory's Most Intriguing. Joe Hass is going to come on and talk about Team USA, and then we're going to do Million Dollar Picks, and then Mallory is coming back, and we're going to talk about Succession, which is just on an unbelievable run right now. Uh, that's all coming up. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, Mallory Rubin is here. She is, on October 1st, going to be the editor-in-chief of The Ringer, but she does Mallory's Most Intriguing every week. Last week was a roaring success. Oh, I'm thrilled to hear it. There was a lot of Lamar love. Both of us were all in on Lamar. We tried to warn America something great was going to happen, and then something great happened. And I I think that was the most excited I've ever seen you. I haven't known you really (laughs) since... Did we know each other when the Ravens won the Super Bowl because Ray Lewis cheated? Uh, I'm not sure what you're what you're referencing in the second part of that. We didn't know each but other, did we? In terms of the first part, no, we did not. No. Yeah. So this is the happiest I've ever seen you from sports. It was a special moment. I mean, I think that the happiest you've ever seen me from sports was probably the Orioles clinching the AL East, which was like I literally brought me to tears, and also happened to happen on my birthday, which I still can't believe was real life. But this is definitely the happiest you've seen me from any sort of football thing. It was incredible. You were, Lamar looked amazing. You were just just texting me letters. They weren't I even was. they weren't even arranged as words. I was they also just doing incoherent. the thing where, really, for no reason, I was sending you the exact same messages on three separate text threads that we were on. Yeah, you were just <laughs> like copy- you maybe in case you missed them in one spot. Here I just, they are again. I just assumed you blacked out. So it was bliss. So I don't know what this is going to mean long term for him as a fantasy guy, but he is. I would imagine they're playing the Cardinals this week. I would imagine he's yeah. starting everywhere, but I feel really vindicated though. I like the way the Ravens look. Granted, they're playing the Dolphins, but I still feel like hey. what we said last week was what mattered. They've created an offense that is tailored specifically to him. Exactly. And all things he's good at. And he looked great. 
That's right. And also part of being a good player and a good team and a competitive team is is actually annihilating the bad teams. True. Really, truly, fully dominating those games. And they did that. And I think more than even the touchdowns, more than the perfect pass rating, though, again, you know, why not mention those things? Might yeah. as well mention them. Yes. Five touchdowns, perfect pass ratings. It's fine. The ball looked so crisp. It did. It looked so crisp and sharp. It felt like, you know, the sound you make when you crack open a steamed crab. That was what I heard every time Jeez. one of those balls zipped through the air. The sound that when I postmated a Jenny's ice cream last <laughs> night and cracked it open. The best. The best. I can't believe that you didn't get nine pints. Three people eating. Well, I told three you pints. I got three pints for me and my two children. And I followed up and asked per person. <laughs> and I said, no, there's <laughs> just one each. It's confused. Yeah, it's, it's the height of laziness when it's still relatively summer and it's hot outside. And I have two kids and my wife is out and we all look at each other and we decide we want ice cream and we can't drive three minutes to go get ice cream. Listen, this is our culture now. Laziness or efficiency? That's how I was feeling. You're using that Because we were time. watching yesterday, the Beatles movie. There you go. You're using that time in that? a valuable way. I actually have not seen that. Yeah, you'd like it. You'll cry a couple of times. That <laughs> I'm does sure take I much. will. All right, let's do most intriguing. Okay. Num- number five, we go backwards from five to one. Your most intriguing people of the NFL season, week two. Yes, I just want to issue a caveat to say that it should go without saying that Lamar, Kyler, that matchup is obviously number one in my heart, but I am going to exercise some willpower and not put Lamar on my top five this week. Right. Just it, for the sake of a variety. Okay? It's almost like the Apple, the when they do the new podcast chart <laughs> and it's, or like the hot, the hottest podcast, but they're all new podcasts, yes. but like the staples like this one, right. Kind of get discounted. Lamar is still at the top yeah. of the chart. Right. Okay? And assume I'm one of the most listened to podcasts out there. Thank you. <laughs> so number five, little twist for you. Yeah. Cause you told me last week, you know, don't limit myself. Go anywhere I want with this. Right. Could be non NFL. Starting with college football. Okay. This is something that NFL fans will be interested in. The Chip Kelly watch is on, folks. Oh. Because UCLA Bruins football is officially must-watch train wreck television. I cannot believe how bad things have gotten at UCLA for Chip and how quickly it is an absolute debacle in Westwood. Now recall, they hired him November 2017 to replace Jim Mora. Jim Mora was supposed to come in, much like New Heisel before him, et cetera. On and on and the list goes. Even the battle in L.A., right? Make sure that UCLA could compete with USC. And Jim Mora had competitive teams for a while, obviously. Had Josh Rosen, elite recruiting classes. He was fired because he went 4-8 and eight and then 5-6 and six in his final two years. Chip Kelly last year went 3-9. and nine, And so far in this season, he is 0-2 with losses to unranked Cincinnati. The score of that game was 24-14. to 14. The fabled Chip Kelly offense put up 14 points. And then they lost to unranked San Diego State, 23-14. to 14. <laughs> They lost to San Diego State? I didn't even see that. Folks, it's not what you want. Wow. <laughs> so, Does San Diego State even have a football stadium? Oh, I mean, the Aztecs are, are a legit program. Okay. But this is just full-on ineptitude for UCLA. It can't be the way you start period there. And it definitely can't be the way you start when you bring in Chip Kelly and then he has a three and nine first year. So why do I bring this up now? Because they're playing number five Oklahoma this week in what should be like a signature national showcase game for the program and is instead 
a game that has led UCLA, and this is not a joke, I swear this is real, to give away tickets to the football game. Really? They are giving away four free tickets to current season ticket holders for a game at the Rose Bowl against number five Oklahoma. So they're worried it's going to be like half full. Well, last week, and again, last week was not against Oklahoma, but, you know, the Rose Bowl sees nearly 100,000 people, right? Yeah. There were, I think, 36,000 people there. And it's freaking hot. It is. It if, is warm out. If it's out. during That's the day, it's brutal. brutal. So the question is, what has gone wrong and is there time to fix it? The offense, 98th in national scoring offense last year, 75th in total offense. So far this year, 119th and 127th in those metrics. So that's concerning. And I think just as alarmingly, it's a personnel thing. When Chip Kelly was at Oregon, famously, he was always able to win and compete, including playing in a national title game without having recruiting classes built around four and five star players. That was one of his great skills. It was so much about his system and his offensive genius that it didn't actually matter. He was able to make players other people didn't think could be stars into stars in his system. What's happening here so far is that there's been a mass exodus, a ton of transfers, and he's so far at least not bringing in elite recruits. Because there's that Nike paying for players. He's got, I mean, he's got Adidas. Like UCLA oh. is an Adidas school. All right, so he does you have know? a shoe company there's... paying for players. That's <laughs> yeah. good. Actually, wait, hold on. Hold on. Excuse me. UCLA is an Under Armour school now, okay? Under Armour deal, Under Armour money, new uniforms, all of that. The recruiting class last year was 47th nationally. Do you know where UCLA is? Like, which which part of the world UCLA is in? It's in, oh, It's always unbelievable to me that the California, California schools don't get half of all the good players. But they usually do. Like, that's the thing. That's what makes this so astounding and so... Well, can I ask you a Chip Kelly question just as somebody who knows nothing? Yeah. Part of what made him succeed at Oregon, other than Nike's deep pockets, where (laughs) he he was really cutting edge with the offenses he was running. And people were saying he was a genius. But now those offenses are are pretty standard now, right? For for being cutting edge. They're not even cutting edge anymore. It's just kind of how everyone plays football. So what makes him special in 2019? Well, I think that's officially the question to start asking. Is is he continuing or able to continue to innovate beyond what the original Chip Kelly template was and is? Because if he's not and he doesn't have the players who are going to be able to... I mean, look, they're in the Pac-12. They're going to play... Obviously, USC, and then they're a program of enough merit to bring in a team like Oklahoma. They're going to have to, like, they have a a ranked game against Washington State in a couple weeks. They have legitimate teams on their schedule all year. They're going to have to play Arizona State, Stanford, Cal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So until, like, days before their opening game this year, he hadn't named a quarterback. It was a three-person competition. It just seems like there's no clarity on what's even happening there. And then you look at what's happening on the field. They're not able to put up points. It's like, where are the plays? Where's the innovation? Where's the genius? The thing is, the genius is coming into town this week. Like, that's Lincoln Riley now. Yeah. The Oklahoma head coach. He's the new Chip Kelly. Well, the He's... genius is in Foxborough. <laughs> All right. Lincoln Riley can Come on. swim in his wake. <gasps> Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Heisman, number one pick. Right. Kyler Murray, Heisman, number one pick. That's the last two years, the last two quarterbacks for Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. Now he has Jalen Hurts, the Alabama transfer, right? Yeah. Jalen, who lost Even his I job knew to Tua. Yeah, lost his job to Tua at Alabama, transferred to Oklahoma. I believe he has nine touchdowns in his first two games. They have 119 points. They're like third in scoring offense, first in total offense, something extraordinary. I mean, again, opening games against weak competition, but the Oklahoma offense 
is the thing that the Chip Kelly offense used to be and people thought it was going to be. I mean, UCLA, it wasn't like everyone was saying, oh, Chip is washed. Like, they were in a battle with Florida to get so, Chip Kelly. This happened with Buddy Ryan way back when. Mm -hmm. He had the 4-6 defense on the Bears and it revolutionized what we thought NFL defenses could do. And then he kind of rode the fumes of that to the Eagles where, where he just had an incredibly talented defense right. that was like historically loaded. But people thought he was pulling the strings kind of more than the talent in the defense or that it was even, but it was really the talent in the defense. And then by the early 90s, people figured it out and that right. was it. I wonder if that's what happened with Chip Kelly. It might be. The thing is, like, you look at somebody like, I mentioned Washington State. Look at Mike Leach. He's still running the Mike Leach offense. And his quarterback, who we're going to talk about shortly, folks, his quarterback last year was the leading passer in the country, Gardner Minshew. So it's not like he hasn't been able to sustain Gee. that success, right? So why can't Chip? What's the contract? You know what my offense would be? What would your it's offense It's my Madden be? offense. Five wide receiver. Shotgun, spread it. Got people cutting across, people going deep, running picks on each other. Unstoppable. I can't believe I know I've beaten Kyle with it. Uh, have I, you? Yeah. I can't believe that you as a Gronk man don't have more affinity for a personnel set with I have at least a tight, a tight end. end. I have the tight end in there. Right. It's five wide receivers, but the tight end's a little bit off the line. Okay. Yeah. No running Unstoppable. backs? Unstoppable. No running backs? Yeah. You don't need to put James White out there and then... Yeah. stealthily turn him into don't a receiver. Okay. Don't need it. Right. Quarterback calls play, just sees the line of scrimmage and goes, who's like number it. four? Uh, speaking of stunning collapses, maybe yeah. not so stunning. Is the Jets season already over? That's number four. It feels like it. It certainly feels like it from the Jets fans that I know who have already just like, oh my God, it's not even mid-September yet. So... That's how it felt just after game one. Yeah. Right. The, Before Mono for right. Sam Darnold. <laughs> the 17 16 loss to the Bills, 17 unanswered points. And even by the, the instant Jets Adam Gase standard, a really like astonishing press conference to explain or really not explain anything that had happened in the game where he said, and I quote, that's the beauty part of being a head coach. I can basically do what I want. That was in response to someone asking about Ty Montgomery's snap count. Like, if that's your response to talking about Ty Montgomery, <laughs> how tough. are you going to talk about Sam Darnold having mono or Le'Veon Bell getting an MRI on his shoulder or anything actually consequential? When do we think Sam Darnold had mono? Because they got the ball back with like a little less than three minutes left down one. They only had to go 40 yards at home for a field goal. And right. they looked like an absolute shit show. I don't know. I mean, I think that's that's... A question after today's announcement because he's it sounds like he's going to miss a lot of time unclear how much one of the things that they said is that he he's like lost a ton of weight so then you wonder about his physical readiness last week even to play like what was his conditioning what was his stamina maybe that did have some sort of effect I don't know but I think it's one of these Jets stories where the instant reaction on Twitter and on the internet was like lol mono and it's like you're saying it's actually not funny it's a serious illness and yeah it is a terrible way to de derail the beginning of Sam Darnold's sophomore season. But because it's the Jets, the impulse is to say, oh my God, like how many things are going to happen to the Jets? It's only heading into week two. And they have, they're on Monday night football. They have the Browns game on Monday night. The Browns are obviously also coming off a disappointing week one. And this kind of like instantly feels like a must win game for both of these teams. If you look at the Jets schedule. There's a real chance, especially with Darnold out, that they could start the year 0-6. Like a real chance. Did you They're, see what happened to the line? Today, after the mono announcement? 
it the Browns went from minus three to minus seven. Yeah, I mean that seems reasonable, right? Trevor Simeon is going to play quarterback. Not as reasonable if you actually watched Sam Darnold last weekend. But go ahead, give give us the schedule. The schedule is Browns this week, loss. New England in week three, loss. Bye in week four. Very, very fortuitous bye week placement great. there. Good good for the Jets fans, uh, just emotionally. <laughs> they, get a, they get a brief reprieve early in the season. And then it's Philly, Dallas, and New England again. That oh. is a brutal, brutal opening That's 0-6. Yeah, Unless it, Le'Veon, who, by the way, they might be injured. We're not right. sure about him, but he would have to go nuts in one of those games. So Le'Veon Bell, unclear what the severity is. He's got soreness in his shoulder, getting an MRI. C.J. Mosley, their big ticket, former Raven, one of my one of my favorite Ravens. He was good in the first half of that Jets game. He looked fabulous. They gave him a huge contract. He's hurt. Sounds like he's progressing well, but it's unclear when exactly he'll be back. They already lost Quincy Anua for the entire season. First round draft pick from the past draft, Quentin Williams, not practicing right now. Ankle injury. They have a lot of injuries mounting. They had to... They had to elevate Luke Falk. A lot of Washington State talk on this podcast so far. I was, was not expecting this. Yeah. From the practice squad to get ready to be the backup quarterback for a Monday night football game. That is not the place you want to be in week two. And then Gase, all of this Gase stuff. His, his announcement today of the Darnold Mono illness was so bizarre. Like even by the Adam Gase bizarreness scale standard. Here's what he said. 14 has mono and will be out for this game. You can't say your starting quarterback's name. 14. He then continues, so Trevor will be starting. Okay, big for all of our so Northwestern fans. Trevor's name? <laughs> yes. Why didn't you say like nine is starting know, or whatever right? number is? This is strange. And then he continues, and Luke Falk will get elevated at some point and be the backup. So that would be that. That's yeah. how he concluded. Then the other thing that happened this week is that Manish had a report in the Daily News that when Gase was still with the Dolphins, he, per- okay, the story starts, he preferred, he was in love with one quarterback. He fell in love with the tape that he was crunching, yeah. the film that he was studying. Oh, it's Baker Mayfield. Okay, fine. Like, probably a lot of NFL front officers and coaches thought Baker Mayfield was the best quarterback in the draft. That's fine. Here's, here's the zinger, Bill. He reportedly also preferred Josh Allen to Sam Darnold. Oh, And did not, quote, didn't believe that Darnold had star potential. So that's the thing that's now out in the world. And even though he wasn't the Jets coach, it doesn't matter. It's like the thing that people are talking about is that Adam Gates— That could be made up. Sure. I mean, that could be somebody just leaking that to Manish just to screw over Adam Gates. It's definitely possible. It's just that, like— the general tenor around Gase and the team makes it kind of hard to doubt anything you hear. It's one of those situations pretty pretty quickly got into that place. Like, again, you go back to the way he was talking after the Bills loss and just like, the line played like shit. The receivers played like shit. The DBs played like shit. You know, he wasn't actually using foul language yeah. and cursing, but he was pretty willingly throwing entire units. You can kind of see why Peyton units. Manning liked him, right? Because he's a dick. And Peyton Manning is a Hall of Famer of all time who's like, oh, I kind of like this dick. He just says his mind. Sure. And he can handle it. But if you put somebody like that with a young team and a young quarterback in a big city, it might not be a great idea. Is that going to work? It certainly didn't work in Miami. I I made excuses for him when he was in Miami because the roster, they did so many weird things with it. It was even hard to evaluate if he was a good coach. But I don't like anything he's done so far with the Jets. He just seems kind of like a jerk. 
never forget that this is a this is a man who once said that the internet and social media are pollution of the brain. Well, he might not be wrong on that. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the smartest thing you said. I just want to say one thing on mono. Yeah. Because I do think people <laughs> underrate it. And I think it all stems back to a famous Brady Bunch episode in the mm-hmm. mid-70s where it became, you know, it's a sitcom. Mm-hmm. That was one of the formative shows of the 70s. Everybody under the age of, I, I would say, 35 has seen every Brady Bunch probably. Right. Kyle? I mean, over 35, not under 35. Kyle's like, what's no, the Brady Bunch? I had mono, though. I just didn't watch all the Brady Bunch. 35 and over, I would say, <laughs> at least knows all the Brady Bunch episodes. Right. Um, and that they kind of made light of mono. And it's like, yeah, you can actually die from mono. <laughs> you can get mono in school and not come back for two and a half months. Right. And, Everyone's um, like making kissing jokes, but it's not yeah. good. It's weird. If it would be like Sam Darnold might have leukemia, we wouldn't be like, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> but mono's like really bad. It's 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 a terrible thing for Sam. I feel bad for him. I feel bad for Jets fans. And I wish that it's not realistic to wish for the Jets fans to be able to enjoy a winning football team. I think the That's Jets fans foolhardy. are post. <laughs> post winning? Post football <laughs> enjoyment. I wish that it's they. Now, it's now post apocalypse for the Jets fans. It's just every, you know, we did a, we did a theme day in the preseason, like, Basically, the the tail of the tape of Jets Giants yeah. dystopia right now, and who had it worse? But the thing was that there was like reason for positivity and excitement in both cases. You know, you're gonna make fun of Eli Manning all year, and right. boy, do we have a lot of fodder for that already. Just after week one, but Dave Gettleman, if you can talk, yeah, I mean, if you can talk yourself into Danny Dimes, which. I personally can't, but some delusional Giants fans seem to Is that what we're calling him now? Danny Dimes? That's uh that's that's the nickname out in the world. Yeah, the Jets fans, the biggest thing they had going for them this year was at least we're not the Giants, which is a nice place to exactly. be. And if you're the Jets fan, you've but lost now, that already. Yeah. You've lost the, it already. And the Giants could they could beat the Bills this week. Who knows? And the Bills the, are minus two. If you're gonna be 0 6, I mean the 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 back two thirds of the schedule is much easier, but still at a certain point you have to start thinking about especially when you're in the same division as the fish tank, as Miami, do you tank? Do you try to get Tua? You're heading into an outstanding quarterback draft class. And if Gase ultimately is not a Darnold believer, then at some point, and I, I like Sam Darnold. I'm not nearly as enamored of him as some of the other quarterbacks from that draft class, but I do like him. If Gase doesn't, at some point you have to move on. And then it starts to become a bigger story than just the Jets because we'd be on the heels of potentially two, two of the top quarterbacks taken in that draft class, two in the top 10, teams moving on from them while they were still on their rookie court contracts. Like, I don't think it's gotten to that place with Darnold yet, but you you might see that conversation pick up in like five weeks, which is pretty wild. Could trade him. Yeah. I mean, the Cardinals traded Josh Rosen because they had the first pick and they wanted to take Kyler Murray. What a tough beat for fantasy. It's for real. Fantasy was all in on Sam last year. He still is. In like a really dramatic way. He's very partial to Sam. He loves Sam. We have a lot of sad Jets fans here. It's very tough for them. I wish them well and... I, I don't think that, you have to say that there are sad Jets fans. I think that comes with the territory. That's like saying they wear green uniforms. The Jets fans are just sad. Listen, that's another thing. They're like walking, they're like Rick and Walking Dead. They're just like covered in zombie, <laughs> zombie guts and I'd like just to trying say, to survive. Just, two two follow-up points to that. Covering covering in the zombie guts, that's a smart move. That's sound strategy. That's so that they don't smell you and sense you when you walk through. That's what the Jets fans should do. That's the question is, can Adam Gase identify the football equivalent of covering yourself in zombie guts to get to the other side of the fence that you're trying to reach? Yeah. I don't know if we have the answer, but you mentioned the green. Those new uniforms are really rough. That's the other thing. Yeah. 
You, you changed an iconic uniform on top of everything. I really what like the doing? uniforms. What are you doing? All right. All right. Number three. When are we getting a G Minchu? Now? Not yet. Oh, not yet. Wow. <laughs> Who's number three? Can Dak Prescott keep it up? Yeah. Dak attack. So much talk in the offseason, as always, obviously, about the Cowboys, and in particular this offseason about the Cowboys' contract situations. What should Dak be paid? What did he want to be paid? Were the reports about what he wanted to be paid right? This was a persistent story. And all of the conversation around his value and his prospective contract, Jerry Jones saying, he's our guy, we're going to extend him, but not being able to actually agree to a deal. All of that was against the backdrop of them actually extending numerous other players. Like, obviously, Ezekiel Elliott was holding out, and that took a while to resolve, hanging out in Cabo, et cetera. But he did end up getting a six-year, over- $90 million deal. Cabo, overrated. I can't say I've been. Can't really swim. What do you... You, go to Ma- you can't swim. You might The undertow might take you out, and you get killed by sharks. Can I, can I ask a question? Are you going there to swim, though? I don't Is know. Is that the w- point? What's the point of going to a beach place if you, can't, if, you, if you might die when you're swimming? Is the proposition of Cabo... Doing like the breaststroke in the ocean. You I think, think if so. Cabo had not a, as cool of a sounding name, yeah, would be way less cool. Yeah, but that's a huge. People are like, part yeah, I'm it. going to Cabo. That's a huge part of it. It's Great. all about well, the don't marketing. Don't swim because you'll die. It's all about the marketing. And don't swallow water because you have the shits for four days. Have fun. <laughs> that's my take on Cabo. Um, save the shitting talk for our yeah, yeah, impending succession discussion. Please save uh, it for later. So Elliot got his contract. Demarcus Lawrence, Jalen Smith, Lyle Collins, all that. And then Dak comes out in week one and has his pay me game, right? 25 for 32, 405 yards, four touchdowns. They crush the Giants. Iconic, it's the Giants. Fist, great fist pump. Oh, yeah. I think Dak might be the number one fist pump guy other than when Brady is like really fired up. But when the wow. touchdown, he'll, walk, he'll go toward the sidelines mm-hmm. and he'll do like the full, get his whole body into it, like almost jump in the air fist yeah. pump. I think Kyle would... Brady can do it, but I don't think as consistently as He's Dak. not like leaving the ground too often. Either, no, you know? but well, Brady will get there. But I think Dak is day to day the best fist bumper. Are you are you saying there might be a chance that Dak Prescott is slightly more mobile and athletically inclined than Tom Brady? Oh, I think oh. Tom Brady's more mobile. No, is that is that what Tom you're... Brady's figured out a new way to run at the TB12 clinic? He retrained his legs. He's so mobile. Mobile 42-year-olds. Just all the drills, running away from strawberries. <laughs> really keeps you fit, folks. And coffee. Here's a strawberry. Oh, no! Oh, no, it's a Starbucks run. <laughs> Practices his fist pump toward the avocado, Tom. It's like you're reaching for an avocado, reaching for some kale. Dude's 42. He has more hair than he did 12 years ago, and he's faster than he was 12 years yes, ago. Yes, and it's, it's all natural. The it hair, is. for sure, is natural. What a mane on him. Yes. Unbelievable. No other explanation for how his hair looks like that. Listen, sometimes people use better shampoos. Yes. Better oils. A a thickening shampoo. That must be what it is. That's what it is. What sort of conditioner do you think he's using? I, an expensive one. Yeah, some maybe some some mousse, some product to help with the volume. Listen, his wife, volume. his wife's from Brazil. They have some tricks over there. Mm-hmm. Nice nice healthy head of hair on him. Yeah. Yeah. It looks great. So Dak, we we can skip over Dak. No turnovers, no sacks, perfect passer rating. Dak was great. Is it sustainable? That's the question. They're playing Washington this week. Washington's defense is a little sneaky, but I still think it'll be great. Right. It's the Kellen Moore offense. The question for him is, whatever, the late Sunday game Uh against a good D, and they're down down eight. 
Right. And there's like five minutes left. Is that your guy? But I feel the same way about Jared Goff. Yeah. I don't know if I trust Jared Goff in that situation. Okay, so that's a perfectly fine comp because Jared Goff just got his contract. Right. Right? So when is Dak Prescott getting his contract? That's really the question. I mean, the Cowboys have the the most wins in the NFC over the last three years. And in that span of time, he's won, he's earned $2.7 million. That's ridiculous. It's Would the Dallas Cowboys. Would you rather have him or Jacoby this year or for a certain number of years in the future? Like, would you rather have Jacoby Brissett at 15 or Dak at 35? I'd rather have Jacoby Brissett at 15. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you always have to factor in... I'd rather have G Minshew at four. Well, I mean... Fucking G. The Mississippi There's mustache. like real... Oh, I can't wait. I can't Let's wait. To, let's, save it. Save it. Let's keep moving. Do you do you think that Dak can sustain it? That's the question, right? Because the, the Kellen Moore offense, first year, what is. first year coordinator, motion... Play action, letting Dak throw the ball deep, which he's actually really good at and wasn't able to do before, taking advantage of the Michael Gallup, Glow Up, Amari Cooper. All of Dak's numbers since Amari Cooper arrived in Dallas are actually like legitimately better. The ageless wonder, Jason Witten, back, not using Tom Brady's shampoo, it turns out. Shaved it. But will Dak be able to keep it up? I don't well, know. So here's the thing one last thing, and then we'll move on. Gallup's really good. Yeah, I, I actually think, awesome. and I, he's not a sleeper because people were treating him in their drafts and auctions like he was a yeah, sleeper. Yeah, he was a huge training the camp The secret was guy. out, but I don't think Dak's ever had two receivers at the same time like this. Right. And then, I mean, even he has Randall Cobb in town now. And again, he's he has Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield. He can also run. He, meaning Dak, can also run. And they're playing behind an elite offensive line. Like he, he's never been in an offense this good. And you can very reasonably ask what a quarterback's skill and value is independent of that. But the way football works in 2019 is that you have to actually assess the system. Like the quarterback does play in the system. That's what you're paying for is whether the, the personnel and the scheme can work together. I feel the same way about him as I do about a few other quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I think when they have the lead, they look awesome. And yeah. when they can just play differently and have a different mindset. Derek Carr was like that on Monday night. He had the lead the whole game, you know, and and he was able to kind of play it safe and do smart things. And the, the question for me with these guys is always what happens when you're down a TD with four minutes left. And I'm still not a thousand percent sold on deck on that, but we'll see. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's still an open question, but I think this is the, maybe the most confident that we've had that we've been able to feel in... He was playing the Giants, who we ridiculed all offseason. The Giants are awful. I will say with Gallup, there is a world in which he gets like 1,100 yards and 13 TDs this year. Do you have him on one of your fantasy teams? I have him on one of them. I I think he's legitimately good. Yeah. So, all right. uh, We're taking a break, then we're going to the final two. Let's take a break, talk about Amazon Kindle. Read as much as you want from over 1 million books that are available on Kindle Unlimited. They put over 1 million ebooks and 5,000 audiobooks at your fingertip. You can easily switch from reading to listening when your eyes need a break. You can choose from a rotating selection of current issues from popular magazines. Books may be added and removed from time to time, but with a variety of genres and titles to choose from. You can enjoy popular titles or discover your new favorite series. You know what's on here. Well, Mallory ran to the bathroom, so she would be making uh, loud, happy noises if she knew this, but Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah, that's on there. We also have My Mother Was Nuts. Did I write that? Um, And a whole bunch of other ones. 
Read anywhere on the bus, on your break, in your bed, whatever device you prefer, like your phone, tablet, PC, or e-reader. When you're reading a book, the Kindle app will automatically sync where you left off along with any bookmarks, highlights, or notes so you can start reading on one device, pick up on another. That is an underrated uh, strength of this thing, by the way. For a limited time, you get three months of Kindle Unlimited for just $1.99 by visiting amazon.com slash BSP. Make sure you type it all in lowercase, amazon.com slash BSP for three months of Kindle Unlimited for just $1.99. All right, back to Mallory. All right, two left. One of them is going to be G Minshew. <laughs> Which one, though? I don't know. You tell me. Number two. Okay. Saints, Rams, revenge game, rematch. Yeah. Yes. So, revenge game talk is kind of stupid. You can't actually get revenge for one of the most egregious no-calls in sports history in the NFC Championship game, which kept you out of the Super Bowl and allowed the Rams to go in your place in week two of a regular season. You can't get revenge for that. Can you get revenge on all the ways you choked in that game as well, other than the call? <laughs> Can you get revenge on yourself? The nine different ways they choked, including winning the toss at OT and fucking it up anyway, including completely mismanaging the clock, including blowing a lead in the Superdome in the first half when it was like Jared Goff and down double figures, the game should be over. The Saints won in week one against the Texans, but there were plenty of confounding moments that could have led to a different there, result there. The Texans got the ball less than a minute left and scored in two plays. Two plays. Two plays. The first Deshaun play. needed two throws. The first play, DeAndre Hopkins is somehow open. He's the best receiver in the entire league. He's open by two yards. And then the second play, they're blitzing. Um... They're blitzing Watson for some reason. There's uh -huh. like 40 seconds left. They don't have timeouts. And just hit stills right down the middle of the field. I, I was confounded. It, it was a very strange game. But at the end of the day, they won. Huge, like 58-yard field goal, right? As time expired. That and then as... 58-yard field goal because freaking Bill O'Brien was giving them oh a 10-yard pad with six seconds left. That's when you blitz. Here's the thing about Bill O'Brien. He stinks. Definitely shouldn't be making decisions as a de facto GM right now and also probably shouldn't be a head football coach in the NFL. Other than those two things. Other than those two things, fine. he's doing great. Okay, doing so, well. Saint, so revenge game. So the inherent premise is slightly flawed. And yet that's the glory of being a sports fan is yeah. that that feels real. And it feels real to the players too, clearly, because the narrative heading into this game the tension and the energy around it is really palpable. That's a cool and kind of rare thing for week two. So it's in LA. The Saints coming in as the road team. They got all this lament talk that they're carrying with them still. This is a thing we'll never forget. And then you have the Rams on the other side. You literally, people have been writing about this this week that on Wednesday, all of these reporters were huddled around Roby Coleman's locker asking him about the play. He was obviously the defensive back who had the, the blatant isn't even a, a, a strong enough word, but the blatant pass interference yeah. on Tommy Lewis that wasn't called. Great play. Led to a rule change, an NFL rule change in the offseason so the PI can now be reviewed. Everyone's huddled around asking him, and Sean McVay walks by 
and shouts, how many times can you ask the same question? So the teams are processing this in a totally different way. The Saints want to talk about it because it's fuel for them. And the Rams can't wait to move on. Tlaib, that's a New Orleans problem. It's not an LA problem. I just love this shit. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> fuel to them yeah. can be a bad thing, not a good thing. Because it's a distraction? It's not just a distraction. If you're, if you're, I just think this is good advice to have in life. And there's been a couple of times in my life where I wish I had just gone forward and not dwelled on something that happened backwards. Mm -hmm. And it does seem like they've dwelled a lot on the backwards this season. And that was yeah. what one of the reasons why I didn't like them in that division. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, for that prediction, their division sucks. And yeah. the the Panthers, I don't think Cam completed a pass. Now he's by oh, this will run before the game tonight, but yeah. Um I, Cam just doesn't look the same to me. Right. The Falcons were a the debacle. The Falcons were a coaching and whole thing debacle. And, and they, the like that are... guy, Matt Ryan just didn't look good and put did his usual Matt Ryan garbage time routine. And then the Bucks, the Winston thing, he might be out of the league in five weeks. I don't yeah. know what to expect from them. I know. He doesn't, so they, doesn't People talk like about the Pats looking into a division, but I would, I would say the Saints have also looked into a division would be my take. It does feel like one of the rare week ones where most of the divisions already seem clear. And we'll, that probably won't be what we're saying in a few weeks, but a lot of teams really seem clear. When Lamar is 20 picks by already. week nine, and we're like, remember when we thought the Ravens were a lock? How dare you? Are you on my side or not? <laughs> I am on your side. Are you? I'm just teasing you. I'm on your side. I am 100% on the Lamar side. I'm gonna, we're all going to be on the right side of history with Lamar. Kyle, do you believe him? Kyle was yeah, here when I wanted the Pats to draft yeah. him. All right. Just I just want, sure. I want to say one more thing because we're going to talk about this game with the House of Million Dollar Picks. The line has stayed at two and a half all oh, week. Wow. Yeah. I thought for sure it was going to be three. Okay. I thought it would move to three. It never moved. It's two and a half, which means Vegas thinks the Saints are better than the Rams because you get three points at home. Right. Now, the Saints indoors, outdoors has mm -hmm. always been a thing. I If you told me the line was going to be a half point off of three, I would have guessed Rams three and a half, not Saints, not, not Rams two and a half. Right. And I don't really understand this. I, I actually feel like people might be still sleeping on the on the Rams, but we'll get to them when we do the picks. It's I think it's, people have just assumed they're just not last year's team anymore, and and I actually disagree. So well, talk about that later. It's hard to get excited about Jared Goff. It's just hard to get excited about Jared Goff. It's easy to get excited about Aaron Donald. I I don't want to blaspheme the Saints fans here, but. Were they like super fired up for Drew Brees on that Monday night game? Okay, so that that I thought is, he had ten terrible throws in that game. But that's the other thing. That is the that is he the, looked old to me in that game. That's the last point that's probably worth making. The way that that game ended, regardless of everything that led up to it, the Texans game, this this like thrilling, rejuvenating kind of victory. Then you head into this game that you're talking up as this revenge game. If they can win this game, they start not only two and zero, but these two kind of narrative building surge games. Breeze, you start to ask how long, how much longer can he play? Is this it? Do we are we going to be able to send him off with a championship? And then you have to start asking: Is this going to shape up to be like a really special season for the Saints? Especially, I agree with you about not looking in the past, but that is part of sports. That chip on your shoulder from the one that you felt—not that you let. Can I bring away, a Boston team into this? That someone else robbed you of. Red Sox Boone home run, Grady Little. There you go. I have one last Saints point, and then we'll get to G. Okay. There's a world in which Kamara 
we come out of this season and we're like, that's the best offensive player in the league. Yeah, he's unbelievable to watch. He's unbelievable they, to watch. It seems like they have just turned him up a notch, which was the was the big talk during fantasy in July and August. It's like Ingram's gone. Right. Are they going to turn him up a notch? Is there going to be right. a lot What's of Latavius Murray? But I feel like I feel like they were in third or fourth gear with him these first two years, trying to make sure he didn't have too much of a wear and tear. This year, it seems like they're in fifth gear with him. Yeah, he just doesn't move like other people move. You know, when he is He's out so in the open field, he can do absolutely anything. And when he isn't, it kind of doesn't matter because you know he's going to be able to get into the open field because he can make every single defender miss. He's like as strong as a boulder, but if a boulder had the most expensive running shoes and also the fastest 40 time. Yeah. Like, it's just absolutely mesmerizing to watch. I thought that... McCaffrey was the better fantasy pick heading into this season ju- just strictly because of how high his floor is because of the volume, because of the carries and the receptions that you know he's going to get. And Kamara is more big play dependent. Yeah. But when you watch Kamara for literally one play, you have that, why would I ever want to watch anybody else instead of him response? And there are the only a handful is, of play- players who give you that. Saquon, I have them 1A, 1B. As you know, I think Saquon is the best football player of all time. <laughs> But <laughs> Wait, what about Nick Chubb? <laughs> <laughs> Nick Chubb had third. Uh, but I think Kamara is just in a better offense because on right. the, <laughs> poor Saquon's by himself. Like he broke a 59-yarder in that Cowboys game and it's like, oh man, here we go. And then the Cowboys just look around and go, all right, that's not happening again. And they just take him out. Kamara's think- pretty hard to take out in that offense. You're a conspiracy guy. Yeah. You heard any 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 conspiracy thoughts about Golden Tate intentionally failing his PED test so he didn't have to play for this Giants team? What do you think? Like he actually just took PED. <laughs> he went to the store and bought PEDs. All right, just num- kidding. Number one on Mallory's most intriguing is the Mississippi mustache, Gardner Flint Minshew the second. And folks, there's no Gardner Minshew the first. His name is just the second. What? What a fucking icon. His, his name's the second, but there's no first. Yeah. Oh my god! There's so many incredible stories about him on the internet this week, including Ro- Roger from our Sherman. Own Roger Sherman. One. Yeah. Someone in his family, his grandfather, I believe, one is named him Beowulf. It's just, it's amazing. It's a very rich family text. Now, I will say he came into that game last week. We talked about it in the podcast on Sunday, and we're like, "Who's that?" We look it up. Uh-huh. It says G Minchu in the thing, so we start calling him that on the online. And then he's just completing passes. Yes. And the passes that weren't complete were dropped. All, all three. He never threw a bad pass yeah. through the whole game. All three of the incompletions. He threw a no hitter when he came in, a cold. So, do you want to say, Rockers a caveat, the Nick Foles injury is legitimately sad. Like, yeah. that sucked. That's a bummer. It's, it's impossible not to celebrate and fall in love with the Gardner Minshew story, but it, came at the expense of Nick Foles. We lost him in the first quarter. Every one all feel, off season. I don't feel sad. You don't feel, because, he he, t- because he has a huge penis? He took a Super Bowl for me. I see. Okay. I don't feel <laughs> happy. I don't, I don't feel sad. Broken collar I just feel dead inside that we didn't win that Super Bowl. I think you have enough. Not sure if you or anyone else that has ever mentioned this, one. but you have six, so you're it fine. would have been seven. You're fine. I think you're fine with six. Quarterbacks get hurt. 
You're so greedy. It's unbelievable. It's unbecoming. No, I did. I feel bad because it was kind of like, finally, Nick Foles has his team and he loses in a quarter. It's over. For him, he's got the big contract. He's got the the moment, the team. He's going to start. It's going to be his time to shine. From the Jaguar fan perspective, it's just not Blake Bortles, which is the only thing that matters to anyone. Right? They just wanted somebody cool again. <laughs> and now they have G Minchu. That's well, that's true. They do. So who is the Mississippi mustache? Yeah. 23 years old. Sixth round draft pick out of Washington State, part of the Mike Leach air raid tree. He is he is a fascinating person and player. He had a really interesting career arc to this point. Very quickly, for anyone who's not aware, he he started at Northwest Mississippi Community College, okay? Then, so he was not a touted recruit. And was in Last Chance U. Then he goes to East Carolina, okay? Then, graduate transfer, going to use his last year of eligibility somewhere. Where's it going to be? Well, guess where he almost went? Alabama. Yeah. Almost almost wound up at Alabama, and he knew that he was going to be behind Tua, and at that time, Jalen, he knew he wasn't going to play, but he wanted to be, he was basically at the moment where he said, and this is many, many people have written about this, many people are saying, that he wanted to be a coach. He's like, I'm not going to be an NFL player. I'm going to be a coach. I want to learn from Nick Saban. What an incredible He's experience He's like, who's the most cowardly person I can oh learn God, from? Nick Saban. Don't do this. The guy who won't go back to the NFL. <laughs> this is just, this, of all your indefensible bits. This is the worst one. Come back to the NFL, Nick Saban. What are you afraid of? Why? Why are you scared? Why? It, it's He's not scared of anything. He's going to be the, he's going to have the most championships of any coach in college football history. Great. He's tied Bear Bryant. Cool. He's literally the, the, at the pinnacle of achievement in his profession. He he's is the best of all time. He's the best coach of anyone in a sport that just exploits student athletes and doesn't pay them. Yes. Great. Congrats. And, and nothing, Congrats. nothing untoward or foul happens in the NFL ever. <laughs> a pristine league. Look at it. He, could, he couldn't handle the hottest kitchen. So he went to a nice, nice oh little God. semi-hot kitchen in college, college football. Good friends with Belichick. Maybe Belichick didn't want him to come to the NFL. Steve Spurrier was like a joke on the Redskins and then came went back to college and was fine again. Because college football, it's like, do well, you even have to work 40 hours a week in college football? Look at Chip Kelly. Everyone thought Chip Kelly was going to be the Steve Spurrier thing. Right. That's not happening. Al, uh, Nick Saban going to Alabama. Nick, first of all, man, it makes me mad when you do this. Nick Saban <laughs> <laughs> had won a championship at LSU. Okay, he had won yeah. a championship before the Dolphins tenure. He, it wasn't for him. When he, when he talks about his Browns tenure. Was it for him because it was a harder level? Oh my God. Was it for him because he needed to go easier? Can I, can I, can I make one more point here? Does he? It's, it is not easy to consistently win at Alabama. That is one of the great misconceptions in the world. When he took over, Alabama was in a huge rut. What he's done there is, is literally historic. Great. Yeah, it is great. That's what I'm saying. Great. He ran from Bill Belichick. So anyway, G Minshew. <laughs> so he's going to go to Alabama and then he gets a call from Mike Leach. Do you want to lead the nation in passing? This is the Leach pitch. He wow. goes to Washington State and that's exactly what happens. He finished fifth in Heisman voting, set all kinds of passing marks, and he ends up as, you know, a, a middling prospect. I don't think anybody thought that he was going to be a pro certainly this year, except one of the interesting narratives that had developed around him was that he's basically Baker Mayfield light. And 
a lot of that is just their build. You know, they're the exa- yeah. exact same height and size. Some of that comes from the swagger, which obviously, like, they both have these really palpable, palpable personas. And some of it is the style of play. You know, we... And thank fucking God, because this was exhausting for a really long time as a college football fan, we have moved out of the era of doubting whether these quarterbacks who play in spread offenses, who come from air raid schemes, can play in the NFL. Those are guys that NFL teams want now. Those are guys NFL teams want to build around now. So does Gardner Minshew have the strongest arm? No, but guess what he does have because he played in an air raid offense and has been trained to tailor his game to this kind of execution. Incredibly accurate thrower. And quick passes and quick reads. He moves through his progression so, so you like, fast. you like the Jags minus plus nine. Jags are plus nine against the Texans this week. I, I, the Texans feel like a, a mess right now. I mean, I love Deshaun. I think Tunsil Hopkins gave up is three the, sacks. He, okay, so yes, but no, yes. I don't know if that, no, yes, but because he's thrown into that team. Learning the playbook. That I week. get it. And also, he's basically playing five offensive line positions at once because Watson that's how got, bad the rest of that well, line is. Watson got the shit kicked out of him that game. Yes. I think Jags plus nine will be talking about a million dollar picks. Can Thank I ask you. you a question about G? Yeah. In- incredible mustache. Just incredible. So, this has been a big year for you with with men you've had a crush on. I don't have a crush on, on the Mississippi okay. mustache. So I would so like to state that for the record. But I do feel like if Tyler <laughs> from The Bachelor hadn't come into your life a few months ago, yeah. You'd be more excited about G in that respect, but I, it's almost like you become a monogamous crush person just because of Tyler. Like you have no other crushes now. It's like Tyler, one hundred percent of the time. Kyle, can you turn the air conditioning on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very fond of Tyler. It's true. Uh, I, I I do have a, a lot of affection for him, and I'm um, if I'm, they I'm very invested it, in him. If they added him to the Monday Night Football crew, would you oh would you be able to watch it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I have a proven track record of being able to watch many hours of Tyler on my television every week, you know? That's true. Yeah, with great a plume, I think. That would be an amazing move by then. Can you imagine if they added Tyler oh, and the ratings went up 20%? I, yes, like, I this, can I can imagine it. I'm thinking think about, about it. it right now, they and it seems it. great. It seems great. I wonder what Tyler would have to say about the Mississippi mustache's stretching routine. Do you know about this? That he stretches either in sunglasses, a headband, and a jockstrap, or in the nude? That's his stretching routine. In the nude? <laughs> yeah. There are all of these incredible anecdotes about him out in the world. There's a there's a good athletic piece from, from his Washington State season. There's just 16 stories about this guy like walking around with bottles of Crown Royale and his, in the waistband of his jeans on campus. He's just an icon. He's so the he's kind like of a, guy he who- He can be Ken Stabler-ish a little bit. Yeah, like fans want to rally around a player like that. Whether he can sustain success in the NFL, who knows, but it's, it's so fun and- it's exactly the salve you need after losing somebody like Nick Foles. And it's the kind, really one of the only kinds of things that can make the Jaguars interesting to anyone but Jacksonville fans. I mean, the first game for them was such a debacle other than Minshew. The Miles Jack ejection was so weird. He's apologizing yeah, He was to like staggering off the field like he was like intoxicated. Well, he, he was, was angry. He was mad. You know, you have... That was tough, though, because you play the Chiefs week one. Yes. And there's just guys all open all over the field every play. I know. And then Mahomes throwing from nine angles. And it's like, that's not... 
I, I That's almost a tough way to start. I don't know if the Jags are good. That was not where you want to go in week one. Yeah. Um, we have to go because this was, we said 25 minutes. It was 45. Here we, we have are. to talk about succession. Let's do it. All right. We're bringing house in. But before we do that, I'm teaming up with FanDuel to give you a chance to play fantasy football against me, Cousin Sal, and the degenerate trifecta. The best part, the winner gets to fly out to Puerto Rico to be our official correspondent for FanDuel's World Fantasy Football Championship Live Finals. All expenses paid trip. Enjoy four days worth of WFFC events in Puerto Rico. Get to be part of all the action. Go to FanDuel.com slash ringer to enter and draft your week two fantasy team before the games kick off on Sunday. I'll, I don't want you to steal my lineup. I'm just giving you two guys that, that are definitely on this week's team. One is Jacobs on the Raiders because he's only 6,500. The other is Marlon Mack. He's 7,400. I'm in with those guys for 13.9. I'm good to go. I feel good. This is going to be a big week for me, Fantasy West. I'm excited. Um, remember, you can play against me, Sal, and the Trifecta in the Ringer Listener League on FanDuel. It doesn't matter if you missed last week. You can still take home the top prize. Go to FanDuel.com slash Ringer to enter now again. FanDuel.com slash ringer. All right, let's bring in house. All right, Joe House is here. We're going to do million-dollar picks in a second. Wanted to talk about Team USA, which not only lost to France and got knocked out of the medal round two days ago. Yes, uh, early this morning, before I even woke up, they also lost to Serbia, and now it's looking like seventh place for Team USA. Unbelievable. We have almost all of the good basketball players. I really wasn't that disappointed after the realization that, uh, and this occurred, I don't know, six weeks ago, two months ago, we weren't going to have a, a single headline NBA star participate in, in, on, uh, on Team USA's behalf. I mean, it is uh, the case that Donovan Mitchell was our, our best uh, talent, and Jason Tatum was a close second, and neither one of them could get hurt, and then Jason Tatum got hurt, and then we lost. And that's it. Like, this is, uh, one of your guys, Charks or Zach Cram, wrote this. Uh, this is the least talented Team USA in modern basketball history. So my uh, hopes and expectations were not high. So we were looking at this, trying to figure out. We we weren't too optimistic about Team USA. They were, I think, minus 700 favorites. At one point, it dropped to maybe minus 300 by the time the tournament started. And I was going through all the rosters, trying to figure out who could beat them. And other than Serbia, I really didn't feel good about any of these teams and then you actually start watching the tournament and it's like, oh, Barbosa and Varshaw in Brazil, there they are. Oh, Australia, Ingles and Patty Mills and Aaron Baines, these guys have been playing together forever. France, Fournier, Gobert. And it was the chemistry and the camaraderie made such a difference compared to the team, you know, that we put together where you're just basically throwing together a team of either all-stars or maybe possibly down the road all-stars and role players. That was one thing. The other thing is just, not having alpha dog, you know, I, I was talking to a friend of mine about if just James Harden had been on this team, you just take it, just kept everybody else, just had James Harden in there instead of Kemba Walker. We'd probably roll through everybody. It's just hard to win the, win any of these tournaments. We don't have that one guy. Even when we had Durant in 2010 or 11, and it was young Durant in Turkey, he was still the guy that took us home, you know? And that, that was what, I just don't think Donovan Mitchell on the international stage is ready to be that guy yet. So those are my two takeaways. Well, it's not that big a deal. He's, he's super young, Donovan Mitchell. I right. mean, this was ter terrific grooming. He got to be the alpha dog. I, I mean, I'm, I'm I, I really like uh, Utah now. 
based on on watching him, him and Gobert both in yep. this tournament. I mean, you know, I'm going to take another look at their uh, over under right now. I'm feeling pretty pretty strong about the under. Plus Bogdanovich, holy cow, boy, I went out and 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 shot the lights out today. No, this was Bogdan. Uh, that was Bogdan. Oh, it was the other one. <laughs> yeah, you got your Bogdan boy on mixed is, up. But God I, damn it. this is anyway. what we talked about on this pod before about. I, I still feel like international basketball matters. I still think it was really good for Mitchell at 29 and was excellent for the first three quarters of, of, uh, the Fran of the France game. And then the last quarter, everything falls apart. They only scored 13 points in the, in the fourth. And it, it was a combo of, I didn't love the way the team was coached. I don't love the concept of trying to play everybody. And they, if you watch these other teams, it's like, just pick your best six guys and play them. Um, I don't think that helped them. And I think that Tatum going down really hurt because he allowed them to play a small ball five with him at the center. Because really, you know, if you do that against France, now now Gobert has to try to figure out who he's he's defending all that stuff. Um, but I still wonder if you just put that one proven dude, and it would have to be one of the best eight guys in the league that are American, right? And you put that dude in those games, like they, they France outscored them twenty six to thirteen in the fourth quarter. It's just not happening if you have Harden or, you know, Anthony Davis. Or I whoever. would like Steph. I mean, I, I, it, it's, it's uh, selfish to want Steph, but I would have liked to or see Steph, Steph anybody, just, just an A plus lister. And I think this is the rub with Kemba, right? He's a really good player. He's an all star, but he's a level below the top level. He's even a level talent-wise below Kyrie. Now, he brings so much other stuff to the table. I'd rather have him for an entire season than Kyrie. But Kyrie is somebody that... I'm if, glad you've... But he, I'm glad you reached that conclusion since he's on your team this year. Yeah, but I'm saying Kyrie, if he was properly invested on a team like this, I don't know if he scored 13 points in the fourth quarter, you know? So that was... It, it well, was I, that would have been... You know, he he had an opportunity if if it if it mattered if we can go down a very quick, uh, Kyrie hole here, wouldn't that have been a cool way for him to reestablish himself uh, on kind of the national basketball level? Because right now he he feels a little villainy. Yeah, I don't think he cares, and I also think how it played out for Team USA is one of the reasons why none of these guys want to do it. I, the two big factors to me, I don't buy the whole get ready for the season bullshit. Cause these guys are playing basketball anyway. I don't think they wanted to spend two weeks in China. I just don't. I think it's as far away from the United States as you can go basically. And I don't think they wanted to do it. I think the, the time zone thing and just being away from your comfort zone and being in a, a weird country with, different rules and all that stuff. They just look at that and are like, fuck that. Not to mention all the stuff even before the tournament. And then, you know, the downside of losing. This turned out to be bad for the guys on this team. This was not a positive that they were on the team that finished in seventh place. Just like it wasn't a positive I, when for Stefan Marbury and all those dudes in 04 when they fucking lost. It's bad. They don't, don't, they don't want to look bad. I think it matters to them and the people around them. I do. I don't think they want to look okay. bad. I think they well, probably was, looked at how this only, played out and they look at it like, man, I dodged a bullet on that one. That would have sucked. You know? I, I guess. I think we're going to move on. And, you know, the upcoming NBA season where seven teams have a legit chance to win, we'll, we, we will all forget until the Olympics come around that this happened. 
Well, but here's the problem. What do we do now with the Olympics and what do we do with all this stuff? And do we just need to rethink it completely? And I, and I think, no, I think, no. what do you mean? I think we should have rethought it after 2016. I, I would do the soccer system and do under 23 and that's it. And I, I wouldn't use, I wouldn't rely on veterans. I wouldn't trust them. I would try to build, you know, I would try to use it as a combo of putting young people in a position to succeed, having, having like a real system in place where you're developing players for a couple of years, they graduate, the next guys come in. And it's just kind of understood when you come in the league, if you're somebody like Trey Young, like, yeah, this is part of what you're going to do or Devin Booker or whoever, you're going you're gonna to be in this team for two, three years and then you graduate and then the next group comes in. I would love to see them do that over whatever the fuck happened with the roster they put together this time. Just a bummer. I like yeah, basketball. I, I, that's I don't, fair We enough. should never finish seventh. That's fucking ridiculous. I mean, I, I don't really care, but the, the uh, point you're making about instantiating some kind of order where the expectations are set and the commitment uh, is, is there. We're not going through this, this attrition game over the course of the summer of, you know, every four days, another two guys declare themselves out. Like that's, that's silly. And that reflects a lack of, of planning, a lack of care in terms of, of, you know, properly understanding that what these guys are, are uh, willing to do and, you know, what, what the competing kind of considerations they have in front of them, uh, what they're going to choose. Cause like it, it, it felt self-evident as every other, every single uh, guy from the all-star team and, and all, all NBA teams are like, we're out, we're out, we're out, we're out, we're out. It's like, okay, what was plan B going to be? Yeah. Well, we need a plan B because we have the Olympics in a year. <laughs> and I don't know, should we care? Should we not care? But we're kind of in no man's land now. So I, I would rather go younger than rely on some of these older dudes. I wish Trey Young had played. Okay. Darren De Fox, Bagley, just a whole team of those dudes. Well, that would have been more fun. Fox was on the team and then he wasn't. He, I mean, he was well, about that, to get on the flight to China. That's the big mystery for me from this whole thing is I think I think he ditched the team out because they were giving more minutes to Derek White is my my theory, my conspiracy theory. He did okay. he left the team a day after playing six minutes in an exhibition game. Well, so I mean this is this all goes into the planning. Well, the big winner was was Frankie Smokes. Of the whole thing. It was he, his first great basketball He made a moment. clutch basket. Yeah. He played great defense. He hounded he hounded Kemba full court, and, uh, and he did a lot of stuff. All right. Let's get to something you actually do care about. Million-dollar picks. All right. Let's do million-dollar picks. But first, I think, we, I think we need to talk about Eminem's hazelnut. The best part of kicking back to watch the game is enjoying a spread of your favorite treats as you're winning all the bets from my million-dollar picks that I'm about to do. Take your game day treats to the next level. With the new M&M's Hazelnut Spread Chocolate Candies guaranteed to deliver a delicious combo of hazelnut spread and milk chocolate in every bite-sized piece, M&M's Hazelnut Spread is going where no hazelnut spread has gone before, right inside M&M's Chocolate Candies. If you love M&M's, and I know you do, and you love hazelnut spread, and you probably do, just wait until you try those together for the first time, enjoy them on their own, use them to dress up your favorite other treats. As you know, I put... M&M's on popcorn. Genius. It's one of my thing. I feel like I invented it. I have no proof, but I feel like I did. Uh, my daughter likes to bake them in cookies. She especially likes baking these hazelnut uh, spread chocolate candies in the cookies because she loves hazelnut. So look, go hazelnutty. 
Try the new M&M's Hazelnut Spread Chocolate Candies today, and you can celebrate and pour themselves on you after you win all of these million-dollar picks. All right, here we go. Last week, we almost swept million-dollar picks. All we needed was Joe Flacco not to turn into Joe Flacco on Monday night against a seemingly terrible Raiders team, laying three points. We hit on the Rams minus two, and we hit on the Colts plus 6.5 for 500,000. Hit on the Pats minus five and a half for for 100K. You talked me into that one. And the last piece was two separate Broncos bets. Uh, One was a parlay that they would have won. The other was Broncos minus three. Uh, the good news, I am up 180000 after week one. That's a lot of money, House. So we're new million-dollar picks. That's what it picks. is with the, with the juice, $180,000? Even with the juice, 180 because the other one was a parlay. Great. Yeah. So Terrific. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some games I'm looking at at you, and you can tell me um, one or two. Actually, why don't we start there? Why don't you tell me one or two that you're looking at that you think I should be thinking about for million dollar picks? So I think we need to start with kind of a, a big picture thing here. Last week, week one, we started with the idea we wanted to pay attention to the home dogs and the good folks at Action Network picked up on you and the cousin Sal talking about how much you like home dogs early in the season. And as a matter of fact, they went and, and showed us some stats. We got a 56% hit rate, 31 games above 500 since 2003 on home dogs through weeks one through four. So we only had five of those home dogs in week one, and the home dogs went two and three. The only ones to come through were the Oakland Raiders and the Arizona Cardinals, and the Arizona Cardinals took something fairly extraordinary out of malpracticing Matt Patricia yeah. and the Detroit Lion, uh, uh, you know, coaching crew to uh, permit, I mean, if if that dummy offensive coordinator doesn't <laughs> inadvertently call timeout uh, the, on the successful third down play by Detroit, Detroit wins that game by eight points and, and that's it. Uh, but in any event, the home dogs went two and three. This week, Bill Simmons, and this is uh, overreaction week. It, it's a famous week on the NFL calendar. Week two of the NFL season, overreaction week. We have eight home dogs. Half the slate is home dogs because Vegas loves the squares taking a look at this entire slate and, and you know, is setting figures for people to just take what, what the, the taste they have in their mouths and try and pound teams like the Dallas Cowboys, pound teams uh, 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 like the L.A. Chargers, uh, pound teams like... The Philadelphia Eagles. Well, let's go through all the home dogs. So we got Dolphins plus 19 against the Pats. Lions plus two and a half against the Chargers. Redskins plus six against the Cowboys. Raiders plus seven against the Chiefs. Broncos plus two and a half against the Bears. Giants plus two against the Bills. Falcons plus one against the Eagles. Everybody out on that Falcons team. And then the Jets, that moved to plus seven because of the uh, Darnold thing against uh, the Browns on Monday night. So, yeah, half the slate, home dogs. So there is another angle to this that I want to sharpen up and share with you just for your consideration. If you take the guys that were uh, coming off of a home win, it's a a smaller set here. So we're looking for road favorites in week, week two 
who were at home last week and they won their game. And there's only three road favorites that fit that category. It's the Chargers, the Cowboys, and the Eagles. Since in, in the last 10 years, and we're only talking about this in the first month of the season, so this is a September stat because this is when the opportunity arises. Road favorites coming in off a home win are 14 and 40 against the spread. Oh. 14 and 40. That is, that's taking 56% and, and, and pushing it up into a percentage that feels a lot more like a winner. Yep. I like it. So here's what I'm looking at. I'm just going to, I'm going to list the games that I actually do like. And we're taping this before the Panthers Bucks game tonight. Colts, Titans. Colts are getting three against the Titans. Nephew Kyle and I watched that Titans Browns game very carefully. It was a very strange game. It looked like the Browns were in control. Mariota was bad. And then a whole, the game shifted on this long drive where the Browns kept getting penalties. The left tackle of the Browns got kicked out. The backup got hurt. The Titans started to get a little momentum. All of a sudden, Baker was running for his life. It looked like he got hurt. And then in the second half, the game got away from them. If you watch the first 15, 20 minutes of that game, I, I actually was not impressed by the Titans. You weren't either, right, Kyle? No, never. Yeah. Never. Um, whereas the Colts, I felt like that Colts-Chargers game was a playoff game last week. And I thought both of them have a chance to be third or fourth best team in the uh, AFC. The one thing that sucks for the Colts is Funches got hurt, but they have a whole bunch of young receivers. I picked up Deion Kane in my uh, in my auction league with Sal, actually, because I think he's going to be their number two guy. I thought he had a couple good moments in last week's game. But it's just a classic. I think the Colts can win the game. But even if they don't, I think it's a field goal game. And... I, I just don't believe in Mariota. I don't think he's good. I think once they had the lead, they can play differently, but he's one of those guys, if he doesn't have the lead, you're in trouble. And I think the Colts can come out. Marlon Mack was awesome last week, and I think people are starting to realize how good he is. Um, the Incredible offensive line for the Colts. Titans, I don't think we'll be able to pressure him the same way they pressured Baker in his third-string left tackle. And uh, and I just like the spot for them. I think they're better. And, it, and here's the best thing. It's a must win for the Colts because 0-2 is a disaster. So I'm looking at that. What do you think of that game, House? I am uh, uh, strongly behind you on that. I thought the two – there were three games I enjoyed last week. Um, the two uh, best games that featured uh, 100% playoff contenders felt like, to me, Saints-Houston – Colts, Chargers, and then I thought Carolina was pretty good against the Rams, and the Rams and Carolina was another one that I felt like was pretty uh, well played game. You know, competitive uh, in in terms of the quality of of execution of game plan. I I, I like very much this Colts play that you're ta- you're you're putting in place here. I feel like if you, I don't mind giving the Titans a slight edge, you know, one one and a half, but anything beyond that starts to feel. Uh, uh, very generous. I think the Colts really did a great job on both lines, both sides of the ball. The thing that the Colts can do in terms of establishing the run and protecting Jacoby because of how great their their uh, offensive line is, what, what's going to change with the Titans? Hold this thought, House. Colts are also plus 155 to win the game outright. Okay. Um, sure. You mentioned the Rams. 
so everybody's talking about it. This is a revenge game for the Saints. The Rams, the Panthers kind of hung around in that game and it ended up being a three-point game for the Rams. I didn't think the Panthers were as good as you thought they were, but I, I, to me, it was more, the Rams had multiple chances to just put that game away. And specifically where it looked like they were just going for the game, clinching touchdown, they end up settling for a field goal. Greg Delegg misses it. Now the Panthers come back and they, I think that game was closer than I think, or the game looked closer than it actually was. So now I look at this spot this week. I still believe in the Rams. I think the Rams are one of the three or four best teams in the league. They're home. Saints are playing, you know, not in the dome. I didn't love the way the Saints looked last week. I thought that drive, that last drive to the Texans was embarrassing. Um, I like the three running backs for the Rams. I like Brown. I like Henderson. Gurley, I thought, looked looked pretty good last week for somebody who we keep hearing about as arthritis. Cooper Cup, huge. And the most important thing to me, this is a prove-it game for Goff because you had Goff sucked in the Super Bowl and really wasn't that good last week considering there were a lot of guys open. And he just got this huge contract. And I think they're going to really want to bang home that he's good in this game. And I just like the spot for them. I think you can throw on uh, I think you can throw on the Saints. You, even the Texans last week, they could barely protect Watson. He's getting the shit kicked out of him. But he was able to move around and make plays, and guys were open that whole game. I believe in the Rams. I think this line's too low, so that would be my second team. What do you think? I like it very much. There was also uh, a couple of sort of modern, modern vintage trends. The Rams have been legitimately great at home over the last couple of years, this version of the Rams. Uh, in in Los Angeles and the Saints have uh for whatever reason this like last handful of years a really bad record in September both straight up and against the spread so with those two things as as the overlay I also feel like there's some value here in the sense that uh you win the bet if the Rams win by a field goal so I I x out the revenge factor I also agree with the idea that the Rams outdoors, especially with that, the they have a genuine home field advantage in the sense of how they play. I don't know how the fans are. I don't know if it's a big fans turnout and everything, but they play well. They play well uh, at, at home. I, I like that pick. That pick. I'm with you. One other two piece. Two now. One other piece to that game. It's They're playing it at 125 Pacific. And as somebody who has... Uh, watched his daughter play in a lot of soccer games around that time. It's fucking brutal from like 11 to three when you, especially in September, when the weather kind of ratchets up for a couple weeks, it's going to be like 90 degrees on Sunday. And mm. um, I think it's going to be, I think that's going to affect the saints more than the Rams for a couple of reasons. One um, saints played most of their games indoors, the outdoor thing, the Rose Bowl is just hot. There's no shade anywhere. It's just that you're just baking on the field. It's like a, it's like a frying pan. And uh, I also think the Rams are in better position with their receivers. The one thing that jumped out at me in the Saints-Texans game is the other receivers who aren't Michael Thomas and Kamara. Where, you know, it's like, it's, it's like a lot of those Ted Ginn type guys. I don't totally yep. trust, like, if they have to go four or if, if like, Michael Thomas gets cramps. I don't really trust 40-year-old Breeze either. So I think 
I think that's a factor as well. All right, so we'll we'll mark those down. Here's the third one. This one's going to surprise you. Kyle and I watched a lot of that Seahawks Bengals game last week. Okay. And I had the Seahawks in a parlay, which I eventually lost, and was getting very frustrated by that game because, you know, watching, you're like, ah, oh, the Seahawks aren't playing well. This sucks. This is so frustrating. God, oh, man, I can't believe I bet on them. And the reality is the Bengals played well in that game. And I, I actually went, I did, I did a lot of research for this game specifically, and I read all the Bengals stuff on different websites. I think this Zach Taylor might be good. I think we might have missed the boat on on uh, on them as like a little bit being a little bit sleepery because they didn't have AJ Green in that game. It didn't matter. They threw the ball, I think, fifty six times. They probably could have won, and Seattle ended up getting a, a huge play to lock it at the end. And then you know, even to the bitter end, the Bengals were in there and fighting. And I think they looked at that game as like that's actually was like a good loss for us. We're playing Seattle. Seattle actually might be good. And Cincinnati made it seem like they weren't that good. So I mentioned that because the Bengals are only favored by two against the 49ers this week. The 49ers played the Bucs last week. The Bucs have just an abysmal offensive line. I really regret thinking that they could be the NFC South sleeper. I hate that division, but um, but the uh, they are not going to be the sleeper. Jameis... They, they are not the answer. They are not the answer. Um, but I was I was kind of shocked by how bad the Niners were too. And Kyle, Kyle loves Jimmy G. Jimmy G threw a, a, just a horrific pick six. They had dumb penalties. And it was like Tampa's just dying to give them the game and they're not taking it. I don't think the Niners are good either. So I look at the Cincy game. Cincy's home. I think there's a little bit of energy post Marvin Lewis with them. and. Uh, and I just think the line's too low. I think those teams are either even or maybe the Bengals are even a little bit better. And the line is only Bengals by two. And if you read all the all the, uh, all the the stuff going on in Cincinnati, people are actually, they kind of like this team. And I think this team thinks it might be pretty pretty good. Maybe not 11 and five, but a team that's going to battle every week. So uh, Bengals minus two. I like that one. What do you think? I'm right, I'm there with you. I I can't believe we're kind of three for three. It's a hard slate because of all the the uh, home dogs. But uh, you know, I I like um, what I saw out of Cincinnati as well. That Andy Dalton passing performance was like the diametric opposite of of Joe Flacco. Yeah, just to compare two sort of old, older guys. Like you know, what do they have left in the tank? Flacco had 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 nothing left in the tank. He had uh, Kendall Roy's uh, poopy bed sheets in the tank, <laughs> and and uh, uh, Andy Dalton was out there. The Red Rifle was out there tossing the rock. He, he I mean, he had his all time uh, uh, most yards as a professional last week against Seattle. It was pretty impressive. And they're basically running the same Rams offense. So that guy John Ross, it's his third season. Um, is effectively in like the Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods kind of frisky speed guy spot. And he was really good. And I don't know. I thought that was a good game for them. It was as weird as it sounds, a good loss. So I'm marking them down. So that made me think with the Seahawks, normally I would say off Steelers, the classic, they look terrible when we come back home, take care of business. But what if the Seahawks are better than we think they are? Because the Bengals made it seem like they weren't that good, but actually they are good. 
And it was just the Bengals are just better than we thought. Because this always happens in week two, week three. We overreact partly because we think the result happened because a team was either worse than we thought or better than we thought. And in this case, the Seahawks now are four against the Steelers. I'm just asking, did the, what did the Steelers show you last week that they're a good playoff team, that they're a potential playoff team? I know they, I know it was a shit sandwich for them, but did you come away from that game thinking anything positive about anything with them? No, but the problem is I, I think we have to be careful with that because that, that way they were so thoroughly out prepared, out coached. They, they, they don't have an answer for uh, Antonio Brown. Like they could have really used Antonio Brown this week. Yeah. They have guys not making plays at skill positions where they, we've grown so accustomed to Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown bailing out the Steelers in crucial moments. They couldn't, they couldn't get a third, uh, uh, they 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 couldn't advance on on third down. I don't know what the number ended up being, but did, how many third downs did they turn into first downs? It yeah, was but a very 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 small number. This is my point, though. They don't have those guys anymore. Moncrief was the most vilified Steeler all week. He was just terrible in that game, and I think he actually might be hurt this week. And everybody was hoping James Washington would emerge as like this guy, but who knows? He might not. And then Schuster, who I think was an overqualified number two, it remains to be seen if he can be the Michael Thomas Hopkins type of guy in this team. They just don't have the same threats. And, you know, I they'll probably regroup and try to pound the ball with Connor. Connor did nothing last week. But on that side of the ball, I don't I just don't think they're as explosive. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they got torched. They, 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 I mean, Brady didn't even really play well the first 20 minutes of the game. He was missing guys that were open. They had guys open that whole game. And the only guy who didn't play well in the whole team was Sony Michelle. Other than that, they did whatever they want. So I'm probably staying away. I just wanted to mention that if you think the Bengals are better than, than we thought, then that would also mean the Seahawks are better than we thought. And maybe there's a way to parlay those two together and just be like, this is the one result from last week we're betting on for week two, that these teams are better than people think. Last one. Okay. Last one. You're going to laugh. I think the Jags-Texans line is like three points too high. The Jags are getting I nine. I'm not going to laugh. They're getting nine points in Houston. They got embarrassed last week against the Chiefs. Now, their quarterback broke his clavicle, clavicle in the first half. That was depressing. The game was hot. It was a hot game, and these Chiefs dudes are running all around the field. I, I didn't think that game would... I, I'd throw that game out. I didn't learn anything from that game. Except G. Minchu, who we just talked about with Mallory, was lights out. He, he made every throw. We didn't understand what was going on. We didn't know where he came from. But compare that to what we saw in, uh, in the Texans game, where Watson just got the crap kicked out of him. Um... I, I don't think they really had the same pass rush that they used to have. That's for sure. And I, I don't trust the coach that much either. And it just kind of has all the makings. People are just like, oh, yeah, we'll throw, throw, the, throw the Texans into a, into a parlay or tease or whatever. Now it'll be great. Oh, they'll get back on the horse. And oh, the Jaguars are done. It's like, I just think there's value here. I think the line should be like six or six and a half. And the line is nine for some reason. What do you think? I like it. I like. I agree with the idea that anything over a touchdown um, feels like value. This is an overcompensation by uh, the public in response to the fact that you know the public 
love Big Dick Nick, as as did I. I mean, yeah. as did both of us. Uh, and and you know, it feels extremely deflating. It's at least a two to two and a half point Vegas swing to accommodate Brother Minshew uh, on the heels of of Foles, and I think that's the entirety of it. But I I agree. I don't think these two teams like on sort of a if you did a power ranking basis, I don't think they're very far apart um, in terms of of uh, you know if they're they're I think they're both kind of like in that 13, 12 to sort of sixteen range. The, yeah. the the Jaguars and 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 Houston at this stage of the season, and I I I think anything over a touchdown starts to feel like a little bit of value and a little bit of you know just a a, a regular Vegas compensation for the starting quarterback going out. If you parlayed the Jaguars to beat the Texans and the Colts to be the Titans, what do you think the odds would be for that? Oh, it's, they're they're going to be great. It's like. Five to one, six to one. What if I told you it's almost eleven to one? <laughs> I didn't look at the money line for the. Uh, oh, that's right. At nine points, right? It's plus three sixty for the Jags. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. Plus three sixty for the Jags. Plus one fifty five for the Colts. Plus ten seventy three. Put a hundred bucks on that, or I'm sorry, you put a hundred thousand dollars on that, and you win one million seventy three thousand dollars. I'm not going to talk you out of it. What what I'll say is I like a tease better. I just like the, you know, a tease feels like the right way to put those those two lined up. What about a little 50k flyer? Sure, 50k flyer. I love it. That still gets you $550,000. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So, all right, so we're honing in on Rams minus two and a half over the Saints, Bengals minus two over the 49ers. Colts plus three over the Titans. And then maybe a little bit less on Jags plus nine on the Texans with the parlay as well. How's that sound to you? I like that. That's a good menu. We have a little money to play with. We won last week. Right. So maybe I have a, I feel strongly about like the three, just straight up playing the number. I, I, I really like the Rams. I really like the Bengals. Uh, What's the other one? I, and I like the, the Jags getting the nine. Right. So maybe maybe we go 300 on the Bengals, 300,000 on the Bengals, 300,000 on the Rams. Um, 200 on the Colts. 100 or 150 on the Jags plus nine and then 50 K on the Jags Colts parlay. How's that sound? The only, the only recommendation I would have is to put the 150 on the Colts, but let's go ahead. I, I like the Colts. I think they're better. Okay. So here's where we're settling. Here are the million dollar picks for week two Rams minus two and a half over the saints, 300 K. Bengals, minus two over the 49ers, 300K. (laughs) Colts. Football. (laughs) Colts, plus three over the Titans, 250K. 
Ooh. Ooh, wow. How about it? We're up to 850 already. I know. Um, Jaguars plus nine over the Texans, 100K. And then Jags Colts to win the parlay. Moneyline parlay plus 50K to win um, at plus 1073. So that'd be 50K to win about $535,000, something like that. Does that sound good to you for week two? Like a lot of, that's that's a lot, a lot of money. That's a nice menu. I think we did it. They, this was a hard slate with all kinds of stayaways and overreactions. I think we've we've come up with a nice little menu here. Well done. I really enjoyed it. All right, we're going to take a break and then we're going to bring Mally Rubin in to talk about succession. All right, we're going to talk succession, but first, let's talk about Roman. Not <laughs> Roman from succession, but Roman. Let's face it, guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Studies show 70% of guys who experience erectile dysfunction don't get treated for it. Not good. ED is like a check engine light for a man's body. It could be an indicator that something more serious is going on, like a heart issue or diabetes. Thankfully, Roman has created an easy, discreet way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. It's a one-stop shop. Licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose your ED, then ship meds right from their pharmacy to your door. You don't have to wait in waiting rooms, deal with any awkward face-to-face conversations, uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. None of that. Just visit GetRoman.com slash Bill. Fill out a brief questionnaire. Chat with a doctor. Get real FDA-approved medication, if recommended by your doctor. It's all prescribed online, delivered straight to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Guys, go talk to the doctor. ED is a problem guys don't want to tackle, but it's really important. Now with Roman, it's really easy to take care of it. For a free online visit, go to getroman.com slash bill. Now let's talk about the other Roman. Mally Rubin is back. Joe House still on the line. Let's go. Succession. All right. Mally Rubin is back. House still on the line. All of us love Succession. If you haven't caught up on the season or watched yet, feel free to turn off the rest of the podcast. There will be spoilers. Um, I think this is... I agree with fantasy. Fantasy said this is the best sh- best show since Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Best new show. Mm-hmm. When a Game of Thrones Game of Thrones started, but in, before Mad Men ended. Mm-hmm. Yes. So best best new show in that Mad Men Breaking Bad character kind of way, mm-hmm. and we all love it. I think for the same reasons and for different reasons. House, what's your favorite thing about this show? Honestly, it's the sharpness of it. I find myself. And this could be attributable to my old age. <laughs> um, watching segments, stopping them. I'm I'm watching everything after it airs Sunday night, so I'm not sitting down and watching it as appointment television. It's personal appointment television for me because I'm watching it alone, and I'm watching it alone because I want to be able to stop after certain scenes and rewatch what I think I just heard. I'm also giving audible reactions to things as they occur. In fact, I had an audible reaction both times that I watched the shiv at the dinner table scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So my favorite thing is I have like six characters that I love on this show. Yeah. Usually you have a show and and you're like, you know, like Mad Men. Mm -hmm. I didn't have six favorite Mad Men characters. I loved Roger. I loved Don Draper. Like Peggy. There are a couple of side mm-hmm. characters. Um, every Christina Hendricks scene was great, obviously. Sure, sure. But this show, it's like, I don't even know who my favorite character is. And you have a you have a guy like uh, Alan Ruck. Mm-hmm. Connor. 
Connor, who is prominently featured two episodes ago and crushes it with with the Moe's funeral. Um, And then in this last episode from on Sunday night is barely in it. But when he's in it, he still is, his PR is still outstanding. Um, They just have a way of not relying on characters, but still keeping them completely fresh and perfect. And I think that's what I like the most. Mallory, what do you like the most? Yeah, the the writing and the, and the the sense of who the characters are. It is a pretty remarkable achievement to craft a show around a lot of deeply, deeply unlikable people and still have to create an experience where viewers are rooting for them and are actually invested in them. And it is also this incredible balancing act of tone and emotion. Yeah. It is hysterical. Like, it is definitely one of the funniest shows on TV. I would I would throw in Atlanta and Fleabag and a couple other shows. Obviously, this is a pro billions podcast and company as other shows that have been very meaningful in recent years. But Succession. Yeah, I was more talking about like the you could watch every show three times and analyze every yeah. single thing that happens in a type of show. So that's exactly what I was just going to say next. There's a there's like a novel like quality to it. Yeah. Where you really want to return to it and study the text. But it's also just so purely pleasurable to watch it. It's so fun and it's also so deeply tragic. And there is actually something Shakespearean about it. You know, it's kind of funny and, and when you're reading stuff heading into season one of a show and all of the actors are like, well, you know, it's it's the modern day King Lear. And it's like, all right, come on. But, the, but it kind of is. Yeah. It actually kind of is. They're pulling that off and it's incredible. You know, the other thing that I was thinking about, we could take the succession music mm-hmm. and put it behind anything and it would sound 15 times more profound and intense. How oh, the score is incredible. Like we could do it right now in this podcast and whatever House says next, it'll sound so much more potent. Yeah. When the piano keys kick in. It's just, I don't get tired of it. I haven't gotten tired of it, it at all. And it's, it's just perfect for the I actual the beat. show. Yeah. Um, I love the beat. The beat gets me. Mm-hmm. So I also judge these things by House and I who have known each other forever mm-hmm. and have been texting really for the last, what, 20 years, right House? When did we start texting? When did we have texting? Whenever, whenever texting whenever started. Whenever I got a cell phone that permitted it. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> if a show has enough quirks where we're texting each other, mm-hmm. you know, and it's something like house texting about Kendall's poop bed. Yeah. This show every Tough. week has something like Kendall's poop bed where we can then make jokes about it for the next four days. And, you know, the jets are now lying in Kendall's poop bed. And <laughs> I, I just, it's, it, the show is a water fountain of, of jokes like that house. It's it's more than a water fountain. It's a fire hydrant. I mean, <laughs> you could just take if you if you transcribed all of Kieran McCulkey, McCulkey, yes. all of Roman Roy's dialogue from the beginning to the end. Yeah, it's a, it's like a it's a half hour comedy read. It's spectacular. This is the sharpness that I'm talking about. The the moment from the, the you know Kendall literally shitting the bed as the family was. <laughs> Metaphorically, shitting the bed was obviously a perfect television moment. Yeah. But the, for me, that moment, this is the line from this episode that I was texting to everybody. The morgue is closed is just an all-timer. <laughs> that your- is an all-timer. <laughs> well, then, so when the shit in the bed. You're meant to be dead. <laughs> I'm, I'm rewinding and slow-mowing to see if it's Kendall's shit or if it was the sex partner. Because right. it was unclear. It was her side of the bed. But then it was clear that it was actually... No, Kendall shit himself. On his, Kendall got incredi- on his butt. Yeah, incredibly they, high on 
cocaine and shit himself in I, a stranger's bed. I was bed. hoping when I first saw him encountering a substance that it was like a bloody nose thing. Like the very first reaction I I had was, please let that be a bloody nose. I please, uh, okay. So please this let is, that just be a different bodily fluid. Hold on a second. This is fascinating to me because I watched this with my husband, and he also had a brief moment where he was like, "What's happening here?" I did not think this was ambiguous. Kendall wakes up, by the way, alone in bed. There's no one with him. Well, because she fled. Do you know that? Oh, I just assumed maybe they were hooking I up and then they, they had sex. I don't think so. I don't, don't know. So? Uh, I don't think so either. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess you could see the evening unfolding numerous different ways, but I think the 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 moment of shared understanding was achieved in the helicopter, and that was the breakthrough that they needed to attempt to broker the deal the next morning. Kendall's alone in bed. He wakes up. He sniffs the air. Then he <laughs> looks around, pulls up the, she- the, the cover, lifts his ass cheek, and under his ass cheek is a mound of human shit. Like, it wasn't subtle. Wait, is it? How should, I, they, should they have put that in the credits at the beginning where they put, like, brief nudity and violence? <laughs> human feces? Well, that, there should be some additional uh, thing, like a parenthetical next to the brief nudity parenthetical. Brief nudity... Close open parents, shit. Close parents or HF. Like a, at least I know that that uh, I was slightly excited because one of the uh, interesting <laughs> attributes of this terrific drama, it doesn't really show very much sex, and in fact, mm-hmm. it uses se- sex in such a highly humiliating way. Yeah, um, right. uh, obviously Roman being the best example of it, but across the board, that uh, there really isn't any sexy time. Like even Shiv. Who I who you and I have both kind of shared. We 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 uh, you know she's she's attractive. We like the character. We do. The type of sex she's having is is not sex that's uh, that's thrilling in any way, shape, or form. Right? Yeah. It's it's almost like she's scheduling business lunches. Well, it, sex on the show is like everything else on the show. It's a, it's about the power dynamic. Yeah. Period. Right. It's right. And right. and that's right. one of the things that's again so fascinating about the characters and about their relationships is those brief moments where you do feel like you're finally glimpsing something genuine about them or about a connection that they either have with each other or really desperately seek with each other. Yeah. Is like pretty pretty incredible, and that that's what makes the the, the Roman Jerry thing right now. So superb. It's, it's just hitting every single note because you are able to say, well, this is a manifestation of how vile Roman feels, how unvalued and unloved he feels in his own family. He feels worthless. And so he wants someone else to make him because feel worthless Because he's an too. impotent nephrophiliac. But then it's also just like, holy shit, is this happening? Is he really jerking off in Jerry's bedroom, bathroom, ensuite bathroom? Actually, hold on. Ensuite bathroom made me made me think I wanted to get back to the shit thing for a second yeah, if we can. Great. What, <laughs> what was the cleanup process there, do you think? Because we we know that Tabitha goes to use her electric to- toothbrush as a vibrator in the ensuite bathroom in her room with Roman. And we know that Roman masturbates in the ensuite bathroom in Jerry's room. So we can assume that every bedroom in this beautiful estate has its own bathroom. So... Kendall presumably has a private bathroom. You can kind of see a door off to the right in a couple of the shots. When he gets up and he's rolling up these sheets, by the way, not paying nearly enough attention to where his hands are or what his hands are touching. I agree. Has he first gone to the bathroom to clean up himself and then returned to the bed? Is he going to take the sheets into the tub to 
rinse them off? Is he throwing the sheets out? Is he hiding the evidence? What's he doing with them? Because there's a moment later when they, the whole family is walking and they pass one of the uh, one of the people who works on the estate and she's carrying like a, a batch of freshly laundered linens and she looks at him like she knows what oh, he did. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it's an incredible moment. So is that because she found a bed without linens and is like, what happened here? Or did he actually leave his shit sheets? No, he 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 balled them up and he put them in the garbage. What garbage though? In the bathroom garbage. But that, someone's going to find that. Well, he's, he's out. It. He's on the helicopter at that point. He's not. He's at breakfast. <laughs> Well, but he's about Do you to think leave. He cares? No, I, he doesn't care. I think that he he did the the thing. I think I I agree with Bill. I think what he did was he balled them up. We watched him ball them up. But he carried what? them. He found a waste put basket. Them in the garbage. He put them in that waste <laughs> you basket. Move on. Destroy the, the evidence. Was well, I wasn't even destroying it. There, it it's I not know. even evidence. It's just it has to go. Like it. That's where that's where shit sheets go. They go in the garbage. <laughs> they don't go anywhere else. Has those. And he didn't have any <laughs> other options. Sound very well informed on this. Also, last thing here. <laughs> <laughs> no seepage through the sheets to the mattress. We hear Tom elsewhere in the episode assassinate the character of the sheets. He says low thread count. These are not high quality sheets. Oh, good point. That well, mattress is done. Let's ask the person most likely. Been, hey, how about <laughs> most likely to shit in I'll somebody's guest room? <laughs> Nephew Kyle, <laughs> you're staying. You're staying at my house, and you get super super bombed. Oh God! And you wake up, and you're covered in your own feces, and you don't want us to find out. What do you do? Is the mattress flippable? <laughs> like, is one oh, side of the mattress? Great call. Are you going to notice? Great call. Like, is, do they have different oh, textures? God. And the sheets are going in the garbage outside of your house. They're not going to be. <laughs> right here we go. Garbage can where somebody can find. Yeah, it. but he. Look, Nephew Kyle has a lot advice. more at stake than, than Kendall. Kendall is, uh, it be, <sighs> believes that he's, you know, a kind of royalty. And so right. he behaves in, in, in that civilized kind of royalty way, which is just, eh, there's shit in these sheets and they go away. I think it's possible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer this <laughs> observation that the shit did not seep through to the mat mattress because of the character of the dinner. The dinner was a beautiful glorious look like an eight rib prime rib roast uh -huh. yeah and if you take on that level of protein and don't have a lot of roughage accompanying it i mean there was spinach at the table and tom called everybody's attention that's the right glorious spinach. the king of the, but the greens if if all ken had was half a slab of beef it could have been a pretty solid uh uh bowel movement could have been chunky Lumpy. He, he's not spending his whole evening not eating miscuous. bananas, rice, and bread. Like, it's not a full binding diet. He also I, guzzled a bottle of vodka and did numerous lines of cocaine. Yeah. There's well, no that's what helped clean. it come out. Yeah. But I'm just saying what was in there, <laughs> the stuff that was in there. Some people, when they're backed solid. up, do just have a lot of coffee. Other people just do mounds of cocaine. <laughs> Mallory once described this show as the reason she loved it is because it's about shame and guilt. Yeah which I thought was a really good way to put it. It's, it, and what's funny is, first of all, The Ringer has always been in on this show since mm -hmm. day one. I thought you were going to say The Ringer has always been about shame and guilt. Well, and, and, it's, <laughs> and The Ringer is about shame and guilt. Uh, but, you know, it sets up the first season that you have this old guy, mm -hmm. the old patriarch, mm -hmm. who's breaking down and everybody's racing to kind of take over. And I just assumed watching it as the show got better and better and had the clear... Episode four was when everybody kind of put the jigsaw puzzle together in hand and we're like, oh, oh, wait a second. This is actually has a chance to be an all-time show. I thought he was going to die at the end of the year or be in a hospital or whatever. 
the, one of the revelations in season two is he's actually like has his fastball back. Oh, yeah. And that's why this last episode was so great. He's manipulated Shiv. He manipulates the other family and then has the incredible scene with the president from 24 who runs the rival Cherry family, Jones. Cherry Jones. Love her. And he's like, and she's like, here's what I should think about your offer. And he says, you don't have an offer. Yeah. This is my offer. Amazing. And this is what the offer is. And he's just sizing her up. He changes his personality. Instead of being like the boisterous, fuck off and mm -hmm. all that stuff. He, we see like this different side of how he negotiates where he's calculating the whole room. He sees Shiv having a heart attack as the lady's like, and we want Shiv to run the company. And he's like, that would be my decision. Right. I'm not going to commit to that. So now she's been sh literally shivved. Yep. And then just the way he handles the whole thing and, the, and him walking up the stairs. I thought that was one of the best episodes, not just of this show, but of the decade it of was, any show. It was fabulous. But, but the thing is, the thing about that is he, just like all of the other characters, even everything you just said is true, but he is not immune from the, thing, from the, the pitfalls that all of them fall into all the time. At the dinner table, he just wants Marsha to stop drinking and to stop airing this clear displeasure that she has with how he's conducting himself. He can't get Shiv to not say what's on her mind. Right. He tells Kendall, hey, maybe don't party this weekend. Roman is at the other end of the table. Uh, Bill, have you read Thomas Lipton's The Electric Circus? What do you think <laughs> of it? He can't think of a real book. Like, these are the people mortifying him around him and he's actually not in control of the, the people who his entire life and identity is built around thinking he can control fully. But that's ironically his flaw. Everyone on the yeah. show has some fatal flaw. His flaw is that his kids suck. And it was like, he could have all the money in the world, but if all of your kids suck and you can't figure out which person to turn your company over because you don't trust any of them, that's your flaw. But it's not that they suck. It's it's one of I mean, my they suck to him. I one of my say. favorite moments from season one when they're all at Connor's <laughs> Connor's ranch and Kendall says he has that great that great fight with Logan and he says to him, "You're so fucking jealous of your own children because you gave us all these things that you never had." And that is one of the defining things in his life is that he is a self-made man and his kids are all spoiled, entitled assholes. And he but hates he it. He made them that way. Yeah, that's, that's gonna an be incredible me. dynamic. That's gonna be me and Ben Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought okay. uh, the thing that made this episode, and I, I'm in that camp of calling this episode the very best episode of the entire series thus far. Yeah. Uh, I've seen the internet kind of debating that a little bit, but I'll go ahead into that hyperbolic uh, uh, camp. The reason I think it's the very best is because this was the most complete version of Logan we've seen in, in the entire show. He had to be a different Logan Roy. And I thought it was so I, I was sitting as it uh, developed at the very beginning of the show that this was going to be them having to go to the Pierce's uh, enclave mm -hmm. and pitch. I, I was so genuinely intrigued by the idea of seeing Logan in pitch mode, mm -hmm. having having to see Logan vulnerable for the first time. And yeah. how is he going to play this negotiation? That whole aspect of it just blew me away. I couldn't have enjoyed that more. Plus, we House and I also had the same revelation as Roman goes to see Jerry. And Jerry's wearing the PJs <laughs> yeah. and she's in her 60s. And it becomes apparent something's going to happen. Uh -huh. I got kind of fired up. I was like, take him off, Jerry. Let's go. And I'm like, whoa, what's wrong with me? I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm with you. I, <laughs> that's not depraved enough for Roman. Roman no. needs, Roman's you like, know, can you pretend to be dead? <laughs> You're meant to be worse. dead. Much worse. 
I fully, fully ship Roman and Jerry. I love it. This delights me to no end. I, I really want to see them fuck. I really <laughs> do. I'm so I'm I'm not I'm I'm not sorry actually, and I don't care who knows it. And it's just this delightful ability the show has to to take all of the organic natural chemistry that's building between the actors and the characters and turn it into an actual plot line. Like, that's an incredible thing. Yeah, when they did it an episode or, ago and it was like, they're on the phone and stuff starts yeah. and it's like, all of us have the same revelation. Like, oh shit, is this gonna, <laughs> is this gonna happen? What's going on here? <laughs> and this amazing. show's had a lot of those. My, I thought this last episode was the best one. My favorite is still The Bachelor Party. Prague. Great one. Just so I, that was when the show really announced just every week, you're not going to have any idea where this is going. They also do a really good job of something that um, f- this is a big fantasy thing. When you put a lot of characters in a place, mm-hmm. when you have like a wedding or, you know, like a family retreat or a big bachelor party where, where you put six, seven characters in a place where there's just a whole bunch of wildcard characters and you kind of don't know where it's going to go. They do this over and over again. I think it's smart. Yeah, because you're invested in them individually and in them as a unit, right? And you have moments like the 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 wet, like Shiv and Tom's wedding at the end of season one, where when Logan walks in, you know he wasn't going to go, and you know to House's point earlier, really anytime Logan enters a situation, you're just you're just utterly riveted. Like it's how a, are other people going to respond right. to him? And the description that we got was he's like a planet. And that was just such a perfect encapsulation, not only of what his actual presence is, the force that he has, but just as just as crucially how other people perceive him. And every line from every character, every choice any of them make, it's always just as much about how the person across the room from them is, is feeling about it yeah. and what that person's thinking as what that actual person is doing. They all have their own agendas. They all have their own aims. But they're also all invested in working toward the same thing together. So they're they're allies, but they're enemies all at once. It's, it's great. House and I love Shiv. Just like as a character. And, you know, she's ultimately has to be the heroine of this family or they're not going to have one. And I'm not 100% sure. House, do you think she has the chops? Uh, we have to see what she's capable of in, in the rebound because it, it's it's a really it feels nearly unovercomable at the moment that mistake that she made and the violation that she committed w- with her dad. I don't know. She's being measured on the Roman Kendall scale. That's the thing, and those two fuck up constantly. I mean, right. the way this is going, the person who's going to end up being in charge is Greg. Excuse me, Gregory. 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 <laughs> That, you Ichabod Crane, fuck you. <laughs> Love him. So I would guess how many we have five episodes left. Mm-hmm. My predictions, knowing nothing, I re- I try to read nothing. I mm-hmm. just enjoy the show. Um, my guess would be Tom and Shiv. That's going to start veering south. Roman and Jerry is not going to end well. However that ends, it's not going to be a good thing. How dare you? It's not going to end well. It's just not. Um, and then Kendall, mm-hmm. I would assume would just keep bottoming out. I mean, I don't know how you do worse than waking up in a pile of your own shit and <laughs> dumping in the bathroom, but. Well, he did kill a person at the end of season one. So that was bad too. I blame the guy. 
I mean, sure. No, some, some personal responsibility, but a lot of no, it's like kidding. Kendall. That's that that's gotta be part of Kendall. No, that was the that, back half of the season two Kendall arc, right? The, but that yeah, has the to guy, come out. That that somehow resurfaces has in to. some way. Yeah, it has to. Yeah. Maybe Oppo research from the Pierce family, perhaps. It's gotta come out somehow. I oh, thought that Pierce thing. Well, from, well and and how they can take the whole Pierce media company dynamic thing right. and try to mirror whatever is going on in real life will be fun. That'll be interesting. I guess Stewie could be the one who uncovers what happened to Kendall finally because they had that kind of like really harrowing moment in the basement of that fancy club or restaurant or wherever they were. Where it's like, how did he turn you? How did he get you back? Right. Stewie knows that there is something specific that Logan has on Kendall and he's going to hunt for it. So that'll come out. <sighs> you know, when this show came on, Obviously, I'm I'm Team Koppelman and Levine, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Well, fuck this show." Yeah, there. This is, feels like a billions ripoff. I don't feel like these show those shows are remotely like each other. They're not. I really don't. I don't. I don't think they overlap. The only real overlap was that Eric Bogosian was on Billions and then ended up popping on Succession <laughs> right. too. But I think not only are they kind of complementary viewing to each other, but they have different goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. House, what do you think? Totally agree with that. They're yeah. total. They're I, I I go so far as to say they're radically different shows. Yeah. I mean, o- only in the most uh, loose general way, where money is a is a right. driving uh, animus. Would you say that that uh, they're they're they have yeah, stuff in common? It's rich, but otherwise, pe- rich people being rich is the only thing where you're having incredible sure. apartments and incredible mansions and right. helicopters and planes. But other than that, I don't feel like there's any overlap. I'm just excited because. I wasn't positive there was going to be another show like this. Mm -hmm. I thought we were going to go more and more niche or more half hour and more experiments like Fleabag and things like that, or Mm -hmm. more short miniseries or one, one season, a big little lie. And that's not being able to even sustain that this show could sustain for five, six seasons. Like this show might end up being a binge mode. It's conceivable. If they have for it. If they have an awesome second season, if they run this out and then they have one more awesome season and they have 30 episodes in the book with all the fucking Shakespearean shit going on here, that's like a perfect binge mode show. It's that would be fabulous. We're going to we're going to get to the season 10 finale and we're going to we're going to the camera's going to zoom in on a diaper. It's going to be full of shit. You're going to pan out. You're going to see that it's Kendall's and Iverson, his son, has grown up. He's changing his diaper, caring for his ailing father, right? Kendall's the old right. ailing one now. And Iverson is running Waystar Royco. Well, you know, the other thing, the other card they have for some season is Shiv getting pregnant. I don't see that happening. I, I expected this season. I thought that was going to be the way. The monkey wrench? That, uh, yeah, well, I, I, I've always suspected and been suspicious of Logan telling her, okay, you're you're the one. That obvious, well, not obvious to, I shouldn't use the word obvious, but pulling her away from that campaign and uncomplicating the political dynamic made, made right. a lot of sense for fending off the uh, incursion by Stewie et al. He can't uh-huh. have her on the other side politics-wise. He needs to, to pull everybody in. So, okay, I'll wink at Shiv and have her on our side. And then I thought she was going to get pregnant outside of, of the marriage because that's apparently the only oh. real sex that she has. And that was going to be the, the thing that sabotaged it. Do we think there's a but chance she took Tom, care of it herself? To, is, is there a possibility of Tom being gay at some point on the show? Because that's another card they have. Because they they teased it with the bachelor party episode. 
with the he does have you know the relationship with Greg is complicated. There's there's something going on there that I feel like they have a card to play with. I don't see that happening. No? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think there's something that obviously about Tom and Shiv's relationship that is purely transactional. And it's... Something. It's the whole uh, relationship. What are you talking about? Well, 95% of it. I think that it's one of those, it's one of those things where even if that was what it started as, I think they actually have sincere affection for each other because... I agree. Because, like, like the fact that Tom is the only person Shiv can actually show that vulnerability to is, yeah. is, a, is a like notable thing to me. She's yeah. not afraid to let him see her in that state. And he's also not afraid to let her see him beg. Like they're both their worst selves with each other, which is weirdly like a really crucial part of marriage. <laughs> so right. they might not have this like natural chemistry and a physical draw to each other. But I think you know, I, I find myself thinking sometimes of a, a thing Cat Stark said to Rob Stark when she was trying to convince him to honor his his pledge to the Frey girl, you know, about the nature of an arranged marriage. And in some essence, this is ultimately an arranged marriage, not in the standard way, yeah. of course. But it's like when when the love builds over time instead of being the thing that you started with, she said, you know, it lasts longer, like it's stronger. And I kind of wonder if we all thought for a while that Shiv and Tom were going to fall apart and maybe like, they're one of the stronger things here, but I don't know. Could go, could go any number of ways. That's part of the charm. Maybe Roman and Jerry take it over. House, <laughs> what uh, what was your single favorite moment on the show so far? Oh wow, season and a half. Oh, on the entire show, the whole yeah. series. Yeah, I, I have, a, I have it. My own Shakespeare quote that I like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that, that I like. Just take the fucking money. <laughs> that's that's my number one absolute favorite moment of the entire show. So I think that was it, my it encapsulates everything. Yeah, that that whole scene I think was my favorite scene in the show. I still love Tom telling telling whoever after the bachelor party about spitting the sperm in his mouth. He was like, it was hot. Swallowed my own load. <laughs> it was so hot. And the other person's like, what's going on? <laughs> no, it's a thing. Just yeah, it's me. a thing. He just so desperately wants to be cool. It was so, that whole episode is so funny Closed loop system, Bill. It didn't leave his body. It's yeah. almost like he didn't cheat. <laughs> I also, I thought, uh, I thought Shiv consoling Kendall the fourth episode this really season. Lovely. And Kendall just. It's not going to be me. Just like, yeah. I, he, what an incredible actor. I thought he was the flaw of the show for the first couple episodes. They're, like, all, they're all fabulous. I was like, man, imagine this show he's if we had a real actor. He's fucking awesome. They're all incredible. He's incredible. It's amazing. Yeah, uh, it's true. I, this is the, the, the challenge will be for these folks, and this is why I hope it goes six or eight seasons, I can't think of any of them being any other character now. Like, yeah. Kieran yeah. uh, Calkin is done. He's he, uh, he's I, Roman I want him now. To be yeah, that guy for the next fifty years. Right. Yeah. I mean, weird Culkin power play. It's incredible. Macaulay, the big, biggest child actor of all time, and now somehow his brother is on a potential Hall of Fame show. And I do think this has a chance to be a Hall of Fame show. I'm yeah. excited to see how it plays out. The other thing that really hasn't happened yet that when you're just talking about cards, they would have to extend it is bringing in new characters. Uh-huh that serve specific, you know, like I really like Dexter. I don't think it was a Hall of Fame show, but it was a really good show. But the Lithgow season was the best show mm-hmm. when they brought somebody in who was a fucking awesome actor in a really good part. And he was just great. And I think Succession has that card for the next couple of seasons. Well, that's what's smart about this storyline with the Pierce family, right? Yeah. Is that it's, it's you can kind of test it out. Right. This can be a short-term thing where either they, 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 the buy goes through and then they fend off the bear hug 
because they got so big and this is the, the new world and the characters stay around forever and that's another power dynamic that becomes a regular part of the chemistry and flow of what an episode of Succession is. Or if they feel like it's not working, it's taking time away from that Dump one them. extra line from Connor and his presidential campaign video that you want every week, you just move on. And so the fact that this is ultimately a media company theme parks, cruises, there are all these opportunities where they're going to continue to be able to bring people in. And then you have things like, who is Kendall going to try to date? Who else will he meet? Who's Roman with? Like, there's all these different ways to bring people into their lives. And then I don't think that just because Shiv left the Gill campaign, we're finished with the political realm either. That's going to always be a way to bring new players in too. And House, there's one card that's sitting there. Connor's presidency? The hashtag me too card. Oh God. Logan Roy... I would imagine would have some Me Too skeletons in his past. And that feels like it's going to be a side plot, though. I mean, it, it, it can't possibly. You don't he, think he, he him feels... getting canceled isn't a possibility? Who? R- Logan. Hmm. What, what do you mean getting canceled? Like if they, if he got involved, I mean, this guy's like a media magnet. Yeah. Him being involved in yeah, well, some sort of, like, how is this different than what happened to, like, Les Moonves? Well, so this is, I mean, they're uh, they're teasing us this? for the next episode, right? That the cruise line scandal that they covered up is is going to be a, a focus of it, right. the next That'll episode the next or the few. back half of the season. True. So there's some of that in there already. Like, what were they covering up? What crimes were they covering up? I'm going to say Logan I mean, has I, some are you, personal skeletons. Are you familiar with the work of of the President of the United States of America? Are you president? Are you familiar with the work of Donald Trump? <laughs> that seems like a good one to go out on. Uh, House <laughs> Mallory, thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. And um, if you haven't caught up on Succession, I don't know what's wrong with you. The morgue is closed, but Succession is open. <laughs> Just take the fucking money. <laughs> All right, thanks to House of Mallory. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget about ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to Square. These days, Square is more than a little white credit card reader. It's a whole system of tools built to run and grow any kind of business, from point of sale and payroll to invoices and online stores. Go to Square.com slash go slash BS to see all the ways you can take your business from Square One to whatever's next. And thanks to Amazon Kindle. You can read as much as you want from over 1 million books on Kindle. Switch between reading and listening with over 5,000 audiobooks or choose from a rotating selection of popular magazines. Books may be added or removed from time to time. But you can read titles. I mentioned Harry Potter. My Mother Was Nuts. That's going to be my autobiography. Apparently somebody wrote it. I'll have to write the sequel. For a limited time, get three months of Kindle Unlimited for $1.99 by visiting amazon.com slash BSP. Make sure you type it all in lowercase. We are coming back Sunday night from uh, Washington, D.C. Joe House is going to join us. We're going to be doing guest lines with Sal. I am in Washington, D.C. because I'm hosting PTI the next day with Uncle Tony. Very excited to be back. Um, even, if it, even if it's a little stop by, I can't wait. Can't wait to see everybody. Can't wait to see Ride Home and Kelleher. And, uh, and do 30 minutes with Uncle Tony. But more importantly, hang out with, uh, with House and the crew in D.C. all weekend. So um, that's it. We'll see you Sunday night.